Yes Have Some Podcast is brought to you by Carnivorous Creations, your one-stop shop for all of your proton pack building needs. If you're in the market for a proton pack, head to CarnivorousCreations.com. That's Carnivorous with a K. You're going to find aluminum motherboards, resin parts, fiberglass shells, and a whole lot more. Find them on Facebook at Carnivorous Creations or head straight to CarnivorousCreations.com. Remember Carnivorous with a K and get started on an authentic, screen-accurate proton pack. Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. From the corner penthouse of Spook Central, all the way to Star Killer Base, this is Yes Have Some Podcast. You like? Yes, have some. Yes, have some. You know, they told me you people were conceited douchebags. The only place in the multiverse where you can love the book, hate the movie, but still buy all the toys. I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. I'm not looking for a friend. I'm looking for a Jedi master. A what? Please remember to hold on to your butts and get ready to get stressed. With your hosts, Craig Goldberg, Abigail Gardner, and Jacob Walsh. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Yes Have Some Podcast. My name is Craig Goldberg. Thank you so much for joining us. We are just a few minutes away from our exclusive interview with Paul Francis from Chronicle Collectibles. Paul is the co-founder and art director of Chronicle, and uh, they're a company we've been paying a lot of attention to over the last couple of years because Chronicle is kind of leading the pack when it comes to putting out statues and replica props from franchises that we love, movies like Terminator, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, and uh, RoboCop, and so I won't spoil it. We cover a lot of ground. Paul was super candid about the ins and outs of creating these props and creating these statues and getting them out to collectors and dealing with studios, and oh, it's good. There's some really good stuff in here. We've got some teasers for upcoming products, updates on things that are currently available, and uh, you don't want to miss it. So a lot of good discussion coming up from Paul Francis and Yes Have Some Podcast. Chronicle Collectibles, that interview is going to be coming up in just a minute. Before we get started, though, I did want to say to all of our new listeners, if you're listening to Yes Have Some Podcast and you are enjoying what you hear, make sure that you are subscribing to Yes Have Some on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts on a daily basis. really helps us a lot to subscribe. That way you don't have to worry about it. The download comes automatically. If you are using iTunes, we really appreciate those five-star reviews. And while you're at it, make sure you join us on social media, facebook.com slash yeshavesomecast, and the official Facebook group for Yes Have Some, Yes Have Some Group Therapy. That being said, let's go ahead and get you to the interview right now. Paul Francis from Chronicle Collectibles sitting down with Yes Have Some Podcast. Enjoy. Paul, thank you so much for joining uh, Yes Have Some Podcast tonight. Thanks for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, so we connected with Robert uh, on Twitter, and uh, it was kind of a funny deal because you guys are based in Texas, right? We are. We're in Irving, Texas, which is northwest Dallas. Okay. Near, Fort-, Near Fort Worth. Cool. I think, I think I've been in that area. Yeah, I've been to a town called Ponder, Texas. Mm. Well, was- you, I actually live in East Tennessee, and I'm, I, I split my time between here and East Tennessee. So I... Other than like the Dallas area, I think I've been to Austin, yeah, several of the other places. But anyway, I, I'm not that familiar with Texas. I'm okay. sorry, but cool. gotcha. <laughs> no, you're hey. Well, let's just, I know you throw let's a rock. About, at the yeah. airport here, so we were only going to talk about Texas. Yeah, that's why we're. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. 
Um, I have failed the test. <laughs> it's over. Um, no, so yeah, we connected with Robert on Twitter, and uh, we were kind of going back and forth, and just by, I'm going to call the most amazing coincidence in the world, he lives in Valdosta, Georgia, where uh, Jake, our co-host, also lives. So, yeah. small world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Robert's been with us for, I guess, about a year now. He's been a fan of ours since day one, and he's um, he's ex-military, or he's actually uh, active military now, and he's just a very solid human being, and, and he's he's just got this great work ethic, and I like everything he did, and he he's basically a fan that became an employee and he now runs all of our social media and a fan and a customer that became an employee. So we, I have a lot of respect for Robert and him serving our country for as long as he has. And then, and now, you know, working with Chronicle, I'm, I'm hoping in three years when he retires, he'll come full time. So we, we oh, really, cool. oh, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. I think at, when, you, when you're a fan of anything, the dream is always like, how to do cross I, over. how do I cross over yeah. and like start working yeah. for Get the, into uh, that. Is how do I go make models for the film industry? Yeah, I mean it's uh, that. I think that is the big thing, you know. And that's and unfortunately now I think kids need to be learning computers instead of how to build things with their hands. Unfortunately, but that's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so we, yeah, we we still do some hands-on stuff here. So that's yeah. Good. Well, cool. Well, Paul. So for we talk a lot of toys. We talk a lot of collectibles. On yes, have some. And we've talked about Chronicle a lot. Um, but for our audience who might not be familiar or has heard of you guys but might not know your story, how did you, uh, how did you get into this world? Oh, man, I've, I started in the – actually started, I don't know, 1997 in the film industry with Steve Johnson's XFX. I was a model maker in the film industry. Okay. And we kind of transitioned that – in the early 2000s into doing licensed products for Terminator 2 was the main one out of the gate that we got. And I was the Terminator 2 licensee, you know, for the endoskeleton and all that up until about 2005. I um, worked with a company called Sideshow Collectibles in California that sold my my product. So if you've ever seen any of the one-to-one scale T2 pieces they did in the early years, um, those all carried my company logo brand on those and we we made most of the endo rifles endo arms endo skulls all of that and we we made thousands of those pieces and then i think about four years ago i was actually working with my partner now clay brown and Mm. he's a big collector of film memorabilia and of original props and i said well why don't we turn your passion for original props and my know-how and your finances into a company and we replicate these things because you've got a vast collection we could pull from. I've got a big, mm-hmm. we could pull from and And Chronicle was kind of born out of that. So we always say we're artist artifact art. We deal with the original artist, the original studios. We get the original artifact or file and then we make art. We don't really like to say we make statues, even though I know that's what they are at the end of the day. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, that's really cool. Yeah. I've seen a lot of those uh, older T2 pieces and that's some, Really, really cool stuff. You mentioned Steve Johnson. Um, we, yes, have some podcasts kind of started off as a Ghostbusters podcast. And oh. mm-hmm. Steve uh, is obviously a, associated with Slimer from the first movie, correct? Well, not just that. He and Randy Cook basically ran Boss Films back oh. in the day. Wow. And for the film Ghostbusters, Steve basically took one half of the movie and Randy Cook took the other half of the movie. Randy Cook 
has gone on to won multiple Oscars for Lord of the Rings. And I mean, Randy's been in it forever and a day. Steve's kind of one of those guys that, that he partied a lot. He lived his life and, <laughs> and you know, now he's kind of a retired, but um, they did amazing work on that. I know Steve did the cabbie, you know, that's in the, the cab driver. Mm-hmm. He did yeah. the, the librarian. He did Slimer. So he, he gets credit for Slimer, but there was a vast amount of work that was done for Ghostbusters. And, you know, they did Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, which was Bill Bryan in the suit. And, yeah. uh, you know, so yeah, I know all, I mean, it, it, it's, it was really weird when I got my first job at XFX and I'm, I'm I think it was Bicentennial Man we were working on. And <laughs> I was one of the I was model makers there and I'm working with this guy and He's like, oh yeah, my name's Bill Bryan, blah blah blah, and I'm, and I'm going on. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, oh my god, this this is the friggin' Stay Puff Marshmallow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. It's um, kind crazy. Of the things where when you work in the industry and you find people you like, you just never get rid of them. So 20 years later, here was Bill, or, or 10 years later, here was Bill still working for Steve. You know, so uh, but yeah, uh, Steve's. Steve, Steve, and uh, I have much respect for the body of work that he created and. I worked there for about six years and really cut my teeth, learned, learned a lot about the industry and then parlayed that into what we do now, which is the, the licensing and the film side. So we, we have a great licensing agent. Her name is Leslie Bueller. Um, she worked with me early on with the T2 licenses um, at the licensing group. And she, man, I've known Leslie for God, as long as I've known Steve, probably 20 years. And <laughs> You know, it, it really helps when you've got people who can just pick up the phone and call any licensing agent in town, and that's the power we have with Leslie. And I'm going to be honest with you, early on we had to beg for licenses. I mean, RoboCop is not one of those stellar licenses that people think of, you know, like, oh, let's start a company and make RoboCop. Well, who the hell wants right. I feel it like was we've re- had that idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, I completely understand. It was really MGM saying, well, let's take a risk on these guys. So we went and got the license first, and then Clay was like, okay, well, now what do we do? I said, well, we've got to associate ourselves with somebody that, you know, can bring legitimacy to the company, and that was Phil Tippett. So we did a really a, – a deal like no other deal we've ever done with, with one of our, part, our legacy partners um, in that Phil took a bigger share early on than we probably would today, you know, if we brought a legacy member in today. But Phil – you know, had the original models, had the original molds, and we basically paid, hired his company to make Kane and Ed 209 for us, which were, which were the two first pieces that we released. We're a brand new company, and we're idiots because we put out something that was 1300 bucks. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> put something out for 1300 bucks, and then offers a 10-month payment plan. It was kind of like, give me your money, and I'm never going to ship you anything, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny now because the the payment plans are kind of becoming a, a gold standard for high end collecting, and it really allows people who maybe like wouldn't normally it be helps. able to uh, yeah, yeah flexibility uh, and freedom yeah absolutely. You mentioned that because you know I had a long debate with our guy who handles our shipping today, and he's like, "Oh my god, you know these ten month payments." And let, let's just say, let me preface this: I like to be a uh, I like to be the guy who leads the way, and there was no ten month payment plan in this market until we came along, and. Mm-hmm. We started all of that, these eight months, 10 months. And I think now we have a 14 or 15 month plan on like the, the big fifth scale T Rex, which is 4,500 bucks. So the argument I had with my shipping guy was he's like, well, you know, we, we buy this product, we, we put it in here, and, you know, if it's in stock, why do we offer the 10 month payment plan? I said, right. because you 
you have to understand, you know, for me to store a thousand pieces and it costs $800 a month, I'm paying pennies on the dollar to store that product. Number one, if there's a guy making $50 a month payments on that product times, however many, it more than pays for the $800 storage, whatever it is. So (laughs) the point with him was most collectors today, and I feel that we're kind of digging out of this recession that we're in. We feel that people are spending money now. People right. are getting services. I feel the economies, for whatever reason, you can credit to, to whoever, whoever. But what I'm saying is I feel that that economy is coming back. And that guy still, though, is in that safe mentality where, well, I'm going to buy 10 different things and I'm going to put them all on payment plans. And I'm going to pay $500 a month. And that's how I build my collection. And if I take yeah. that away from that guy... Yes, I lose a potential sale, but I also I want I want that product out there, you know. And right. I don't I have to hold on to it for ten months. And believe me, we have people put three hundred fifty dollar items on ten month payment plans. Oh yeah, why we offer it? But that same guy who's on a ten month payment plan for thirty five dollars a month probably has fifty other things on pre order, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, you guys I- know what you're talking about so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're all collectors. Yeah, we and, definitely know what you're talking. And uh, it's it's been. You know, when you start off collecting, maybe you start with toys or action figures and you start seeing the, you know, the more high end props. And I think the pinnacle of collecting is if you can get the screen used props. But now with companies like you guys, you can you can get the next best thing, which is an exact replica. Mm-hmm. So um, and, you know, uh, with like the stuff that Phil Tippett did for us, you know, if you look at the Kane robot and the Ed 209 that we did, we physically took the original models apart and we cast Mark DeBow and Samantha Tippett, Phil's daughter, and the entire team that was there um, literally tore those models apart and cast every individual piece. I have this blown apart cane in my office. I took one of the part sets we got from Phil and I glued it into this big shadow box. It's oh, all cool. blown apart. 275 individual pieces. Wow. Oh, wow. That is the screws, the hoses, you know, all the BS that goes along with it. So, I mean, that piece was Georgia Toynami basically told me it was probably the most complex piece that's ever been made as a statue. And and if you look at it, it's it's chewy. I mean, it's just levels of detail on that thing, right. you know. So, but that's the kind of stuff I like to make. It's when somebody tells me something can't be made. Oh, well, that's <laughs> when I really want to make it, you know. Challenge. <laughs> so, have you ever encountered something where someone's like, "Well, you can't make that," and then you're like, "Yes, I can," and then you guys got into the process, and you were like, "No, I can't." <laughs> yeah, I can't well, do that was basically Phil. I mean, we sat down with Phil Tippett, and and, and we've gotten the Robocop license. I'm sitting across this big table. He's sitting there at the end of this big boardroom, and. Feels kind of like this wizened little dude. I mean, he's still in great shape, but he's like got the white beard and he's always got this frown on his face and he's a very intimidating guy, even though he's like the sweetest man on the planet. I really love Phil Tippett. <laughs> I can't say enough nice things about the man. Not only is he a huge talent and a legend in this industry, but he's just the sweetest guy. But anyway, before we knew him, he's sitting at the end of this table and he goes, okay, so you've got the Robocop license. What do you want from me? And I'm, and we're like <laughs> telling him, you know, well, we want to replicate Ed 209 and we want to replicate Kane. He goes, no, <laughs> you're not. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, back, and I'll quit impersonating Phil, but back, he said back in the day <laughs> when they made the first Robocop film, the Japanese started pumping out toys and models of Ed 209 and Robocop, and they felt like they weren't getting anything 
for the artwork that they created. Like they didn't get licensing dollars. They probably wouldn't have got it anyway. It would have been MGM that got them ultimately anyway and did from Kenner and places like that. But what I'm trying to say was he, 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 he didn't see anything in it. And I think it kind of pissed Phil off that nobody even came to him and said, Hey, can you make this for us? Even back then. So when Craig and him got together to do RoboCop 2, he says, I want a robot that no one can ever duplicate as a toy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how Kane was born. And I've told this story a few times before, but I mean, it's just that just goes to show you kind of how vindictive people could be even in the toy world. You know, it's like, well, let's do something they can never make. So when I mentioned it to Philly, he's like, no, you can't make it. It just won't stand on its own. It and can't then be a- it can't be done. That's what he told me. And, and lo and behold, I've got one sitting in the case. It's been up there for three or four years now, four years, and it's as good as the day we made it. So I know it's going to stand the test of time and mm-hmm. because we put all this metal reinforcement in the legs. But it, it, you get it. It's a big bodybuilder on a skinny little pair of chicken legs. You know, right. yeah. Kane definitely skipped leg day. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so did I. Yeah, <laughs> I've skipped. I've skipped all days. Yeah. Um, so, so you guys uh, have Toy Fair coming up. Will you guys be uh, up there uh, this year? We we will be there uh, touring the show. We do not set up at Toy Fair. We do two shows. Actually, I think we're doing three shows this year. We're, we our big show is San Diego Comic Con. We're doing Fan Days here in Dallas, just because it's down the street. And then we're doing New York Toy Fair this year, or uh, New York. Comic Con, cool. And but Toy Fair mainly what we go there for is we have a partner in Think Geek and GameStop. Okay, and we're going there as like added support for Think Geek and GameStop. Cool, very cool. Gotcha. Um, Yeah, we're starting to see those Think Geek uh, stores pop up all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they're great. Yeah, Yeah. they're very cool. They're a total destination in the malls. Yeah, they're it's better than your your normal. uh, Well, there's there's. It's like what Spencer should be. It's like what <laughs> should be. It's what Hot Topic should have become, you know? And it's right. like, so they saw that niche in the market. So it's just like, let's take an old GameStop store and let's turn it into ThinkGeek because I, I think you guys probably know um, that's where it's going. You know, they're phasing yeah. games, they're putting in more. I, I think within the next five years, I think the game plan there, and not to give anyway, any trade secrets, it's, I think they want to go more merch than game. Well, it's just so popular right now. And it's funny because we always we still walk like if we make it to the mall, which we all do probably as as people who just love products and merchandise, like we go to the mall. Yeah. And uh, when you walk into Hot Topic, it's kind of like, oh, this is a relic from like 15 years ago. They're, they're not. There's, they haven't evolved yet. Yeah. That's why you go to yeah. Geek, right? They created a they have a company called Box Lunch, which is kind of the hip. But I. <laughs> And no offense to hipsters, but it's like the hipster toy store. Oh, box lunch. Yeah. Oh, we've been. Yeah, we've been. We like yeah. that one too. But yeah. never, been, never got anything. It's like I went in that place at Christmas because my wife loves Bob's Burger. She's the oh, biggest same. Bob's fan on the planet, and yeah. I love the show too. And I went in there, and they had all these cute things sitting on the shelf, and I go, I want that, I want that, I want that, and I'm like, oh, well, we don't have them. <laughs> I'm like, what good are you? And then I went right around the corner to the thinking store, and I want, I want that, and I want that, and I want that, and they go, or and they go, yeah, we got all that. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm just like, I don't understand how you're in business to sell things yet you don't have it on the shelf. It's like take it off the shelf if you don't have it, you know. So yeah. mm-hmm. we've encountered that kind of stuff before. Yeah, yeah. they're just there to look good. Yeah. <laughs> 
and, and most of my products, like the the modern icons that we're making, unfortunately, people write me and they go, "Hey, we know you're making the modern icons. I'm looking for the alloy from you know Zero Dawn, or I'm looking for the T60." And I'm like, "They're sold out, man." You know, it's like they came and they went and. And now the third one, which I don't think they've announced, and I really want to announce it, but I can't. But it's just like it's going to melt people's brain when the third one comes out in that series, and it, it may already they may already be announcing it soon. But it's it's going to be a really cool piece, and it's cool. never been done before. So cool. Well, we love, uh, like I said, as collectors, we love exclusives and we love variants, and uh, we just love toys and statues. So yeah, uh, yeah, bring it on. Yeah. I say, please do. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about Jurassic Park because th- that was kind of the uh, the whole genesis of uh, the conversation uh, on Twitter was we are all huge Jurassic Park fans. We talk about it a lot. We've got a movie coming out this year, um, and you guys have been in the Jurassic Park game for a while. Uh, what has that experience been like? Uh, you mentioned going out and getting licenses. Um, it's... it's, it's... I, I love the teams at Universal. I love the people that I deal with at Universal. Uh, Jeffrey, who entrusted us the original license, great guy, no longer in that division. Um, the next person, love that guy, no longer in the division. We've <laughs> gone through four or five licensing teams in two years. Oh, wow. And when you build a relationship some with someone and they believe in you, And and this goes with all video game companies and all studios and whatever. It's just like you build this relationship up with this person. They know what you do. They know what your vision is for the product. And then they're gone. And then the next guy comes in and he goes, so what do you guys do? And it's like the entire universe of Jurassic Park. I mean, and people get mad when I say I've created that division for Jurassic Park. But let's be honest. Sideshow made one statue in, what, 2006? There's not a whole lot else happening, yeah. There's nothing over $200. So I like saying I created that division. We we basically created what the the gold standard is for Jurassic Park. And then this year, Universal bought DreamWorks. And that created a whole new schism. So, like, when we went to renew our license, which was up this year – we found out that there was no more worldwide licensing, which means Universal doesn't control every country. Basically, what happens is they have individual licensors in each country. It's the Disney mod, the, the Disney format. Mm-hmm. Warner tried it; it didn't work. They pulled it all back in house. Disney's tried it with limited success, and I think they're now pulling things back in house. So, why Universal's going this route, and what they're going to find is. They're just not going to see those revenue dollars that I think they're expecting, because you give Kamchatka a li- uh, you know their ability to license their own product. I'm going off the risk game, but if if you get if you country the rights to license their own stuff, and there's nobody there to sell anything, that's zero dollars earned. Whereas if I sell can sell a product into Kamchatka, well, they're going to get fifty dollars from that place, you right. know. So you oh, guys, so you're not shipping. There's certain countries and places where you just can't put the product in. So after this year, we have like Europe, Asia, Australia, U.S., Canada, and Central America. So Iron Studios, um, a, a competitor of ours, um, 
is now a Jurassic Park licensee. And everybody kind of went on the boards and they're like, oh, Chronicle, you, you make all this expensive stuff. And, and I just want to tell people, you know, when you're a universal licensee, Disney used to be the gold standard for factory audits. Now it's universal and it is so tough. And I can't tell you guys, I mean, you pay like 20, 30% more just to use a universal factory. Mm -hmm. So at least I do in the States. I I don't know what Iron Studios is doing. And I know they've released some prices that seem beyond low, but I have to wonder like what, what it's going to be like once it gets here, you know, because we know the standard that we have to live up to. But anyway, we partner with Iron Studios. We will be the exclusive importer for their products uh, for Jurassic Park for the United States, Europe, and Australia, and maybe Japan, I think. So um, uh, it's just been difficult. I mean, I, I, I want to say it's been a pleasant experience with, with, with Jurassic. And I've had fun making the stuff, but, man, just going through all the, the minutiae with yeah, yeah, changing hands and different bosses and all that kind of stuff, I'm sure. I have no idea how frustrating it mm-hmm. is. You know? And when you've created this kind of division and you feel like there's no loyalty, it's like, ah, well, forget whatever you've done in the past two years. We're going to throw that all out the window and the big checks that we Oh, yeah. And unlike other companies, I mean, we pay our royalties on time. You, you won't ever hear anybody bad-mouthing us. We pay our vendors on time. We pay our royalties on time. And it's just like, you know, it's like, we paid you big money. We've, we've met our guarantees and we've blown those out of the water yet. There's no loyalty. They just, it's like, eh, eh, you know, we're going to go license over here and we're going to license over there. So the good thing about it is I am the exclusive in the United States. So if someone wants to buy a Jurassic park product in the United States, they have to buy it from me, whether it's prime one or, and I'm not saying they're making anything, but I'm just saying, if it's another company anywhere in the world that's now got a license to do Jurassic Park, we would you'd have kind of like Sideshow, you would have to buy it from us. Right. So okay. just so I, I it cut out for a second. So you said so like with the Iron Studio stuff that's coming out, when when people go to buy that, it'll still be through Chronicle in the United States. It, it will basically if you try to buy it from Iron Studios in Brazil, it will d- redirect you and it will say, hey, this is available through Chronicle Collectibles. Gotcha. Cool. So, okay. And, and I want to go on the record to say, and they know this, and Universal knows this, they are only licensed for the country of Brazil. They are not allowed to sell anywhere in the world outside of Brazil. Oh, weird. And my market is for Brazil, because I know I've seen the numbers, and believe me, they, are, they didn't get this license to just sell into Brazil. They want to sell worldwide, although, you know, legally they can't do that, and I just... We're, we're trying to help them. You know, okay. we're trying to help get outside of their their little bubble that they're in right now. And uh, there's and like Universal. one guy in Brazil that just has so much good Jurassic Park stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I think we have maybe I hate to say it like two customers from there, you yeah. know, that have ever got something from us. So they're going to do the same thing. They can now if they want to, they can distribute our products into Brazil and more power to them. If they can branch out and get us four customers, well, I'm all for it, you know. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, cool. I don't know what that extrapolates to. So, I'm sorry to get off onto a kind of a, a downer there, but we we have <laughs> big plans for Jurassic Park. We have so much cool stuff coming. We've got like four pre-orders that are going to be coming within the next 30 to 45 days. And um, we have we we are steeped in Jurassic Park. I think our license is now for three years. 
Oh, we, cool. we, awesome. We renewed it for three years instead of two years. Cool. So um, we, we have a lot of plans for Jurassic. Cool. That's great. Now, I know um, you guys have mainly done, um, you know, the statues and props. There was something a couple, maybe last summer, where you guys were going to do the 112 scale Grant and Owen. Is that something that's still, uh, or not 112, 116 scale. Sorry about that. Yeah, um, <laughs> well, here, here's the other, let me, let me, let's just put it out there. I've never talked about six scale. I wanted six scale to die a horrible death. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly because I probably spent, I probably spent $50,000 trying to develop six scale and I don't ever think I'm going to be able to bring it to market. And okay. here's why. So let me just explain this and why everybody's going to be disappointed and I don't care about hot toys and all that. Hot toys has their own factories. They're Disney Universal approved. I don't have that. I'm not hot toys, right? I never should have even dipped my toe in this water. And I blame Dean Tolliver, my graphic art or our let's did. let's get him on. Let's get him on. Damn it, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I say that almost every day. So you know it's, Damn it, Dean. <laughs> okay, sorry. It, it, so do we so, so here's how it works. So I, I'm not hot toys. I don't have my own bodies. I don't have a clothing factory. I don't have blah, blah, blah. I don't have packaging. Okay, so for me to make a six-scale Dr. Grant, number one, I have to source the body. Okay, no big deal. There are universal factories who are approved who make bodies. Perfect. Each piece of clothing that I want to go on this thing seems like it has to be made by two or three different factories. Oh, wow. Hmm. Coordinate all of those to be universal approved. So if I get the watches and the shoes and the hat, which are kind of PVC from one factory, well, that's not a universal approved. I can get the shirt from this factory over here. the The shirt is approved, but the guy that makes the buttons isn't. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so that's I, so weird. People don't realize that there's just so many. Every little thing has to be every moving part. And like I said, yeah. Hot Toys and Edward, I love those guys. I collect their stuff. I just got my Hulkbuster thing. <laughs> Fancy. One of the best toys I've ever owned in my life. And yes, I call it a toy because to me it's still a doll. You know, it's a it's an action figure for God's sake. So, but it is phenomenal. And I love Hot Toys. I love everything they do. I think their likenesses are probably second to none, except for Dean's. I think our likenesses are pretty pretty damn good. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger told us that our guardian quarter scale that we did was the best likeness that's ever been done for him. Put that on the box. <laughs> it, uh, I could actually pull him. But, um, but yeah, so we did all this R&D. We have working prototypes. We have everything finished. I just can't put product in a box. This yeah. can't. Yeah. If, if it was any other company, like, Oh, well, then people are like, well, we'll just make Ragnar from Vikings. Well, you know, Vikings isn't Jurassic Park, and, and, and we love Vikings, and I'd love to do the Ragnar, but I just don't think it warrants it. You know, I have to make a certain amount of these things. It's not like a statue where if I don't think it's going to sell well, I can say, well, I only want to make 100 because right. I just want to make And we've done that with some of our Jurassic Park stuff where we just say, okay, well, we're not going to hit the number we want. Let's just do 300 of something. You know, yeah. let's. 250 but at 300 it, it's really a good that's a good hallmark for us it's a good benchmark for us like the the one to one raptor bus just sold out we sold more than what we even expected and 
Um, now, a little exclusive for you guys, we are going to 100% release the mail from Lost World, the Tiger Stripe version. Oh, cool. cool. Well, you heard it here so, first. Yeah. Um, it did. So, and sounds like there's was, a payment plan in my future. <laughs> <laughs> Better sell something. Yeah. <laughs> It's always nice when you can sell out of something before it lands because then we know we don't have to store that product and especially one-to-one wrappers that are, you know, probably the size of a mini fridge box, you right, know, right. And it's 70 pounds. The last thing I want to be doing is, you know, toting those things around the warehouse. But, uh, yeah, I think the, the mail from Lost World will be popular. We've already prototyped it. We had it at Comic-Con two years ago, I think. And, you know, to bring that to market, I think people will really like that piece, mm-hmm. you know. And it kind of complements the female. If you've got the female, you can, you know, got to have it. Like Horace and Anubis, one to one. You got those in both corners of your room, you know, and yeah, well, fun stuff. Well, Jake, you're the you're the biggest uh, Jurassic Park aficionado uh, amongst That's us. That's offensive. Uh, <laughs> you don't know what aficionado <laughs> means. Uh, how do as far as Lost World stuff compares to the first movie? I mean, the the collector base is out there for it, isn't it? Yeah, I think so, especially because uh, with those dinosaurs, their 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 paint jobs are, are some of the paint jobs in Lost World are really great. Like they just like those just color schemes, especially you know with the raptors and the and like the bull rex just looks so cool. So I I think that stuff for sure. There's a there's a market for that. Yeah, I mean, we wanna you know we've done quite a bit of Lost World. We did the stage, yeah the, the mail bus, which was the first bus that we did. That mm-hmm. old T Rex bus. I think there's eight of those left. So she's pretty endangered right now, <laughs> which it may, they may have already marked it, sold out on the website. I don't know. So um, it's like I, I get like one piece as being one of the owners and sometimes right. more because I have friends that ask me, hey, can you get me one of those? And I'll go in there and I'll go, hey, I need another Raptor. But <laughs> yeah, we know it's like to have uh, friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I own the place and I can't even get, you know, another. <laughs> it's uh. pretty sad. But um, the one piece I know we've got coming, which I think is going to blow people away, is the sick trike. And I know people I've been t- oh, talking about. Oh, God. No I, way. I literally, I literally before like before we got you on, I was like, man, Dude. I wonder if they're ever going to do the sick triceratops. Yes. We were just talking about <laughs> I was that. like, it'd be perfect. It just seems like a perfect thing okay. for, for a statue. We showed it at Comic-Con last year. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it got really good reviews. It's smaller. Uh, I think it's about 12 inches long. Well, now we've redone the base on the Isla Sorna base. Uh, Typically in the past, we've done the logo plaques in bronze. This one has the full color JP logo plaque on it. Um, Steve Riojas, who is the master dino painter, just finished the prototypes for this thing. And they are phenomenal. I mean, I am just like over the moon at this piece. And we're going to try to get it in that 350 range because she's smaller. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I think for the value and the size of the piece, and I want to start creating more dinosaurs maybe in that scale so we can get the price down. We can right. get it in people's hands. It's like super reasonable, yeah. Yeah, you know, and then like yesterday they showed me uh, Raptors in the Kitchen got approved. Finally, those are going to be. What? I, I was wondering, you know, I was wondering, I was going to ask like how how you pick which like which products you're going to do. Like, you know, you did the breakout Rex. Like who it, do you, do you just like have a bunch of ideas and you're like, well, do we do a, do we do this pose? Like, how do you choose that? So here's how I've come up with it. And I 
pretty much come up with the ideas. Clay and I kind of talk about them because Clay's my partner, and then mm-hmm. get our artist to conceptualize them. And we're old school draw that he draws everything here. And then once we once we approve what he's done, then we we kind of sit back and we look at it. And we go, okay, is this going to work? So we have kind of two products running, as you can see. We have the Stan Winston maquettes, mm-hmm. which are tried and true. If you want a movie prop replica, that was something that was made for production by the Stan Winston maquettes because we haven't changed them in any way. Um, I don't even we don't take credit for those. We give Stan all the credit in the world for those. We sculpt the bases, but if you look at our products, we don't take credit on the box. We don't. Say, oh, hey, we made that. You know, it's right. like Chronicle Collectibles making a Stan Winston maquette. So those are that's one line. Then the other line that we have is kind of these vignettes, these scenes from a movie. Mm-hmm. With the breakout wrecks, we found that that struck a nerve with people. Struck a nerve with people to where we sold a thousand breakout wrecks. And I'm going to tell you guys, in this day and age, to sell a thousand of anything, and you're not Think Geek, where you got seven thousand stores. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, to sell a thousand of anything is pretty darn good. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. and we were very proud of that piece. So how I pick things now is, okay, it's got to be a scene from the film. We've got to capture that that imagery. We've got to capture that feeling. We've got to capture that mood. And so when it came to okay, so what do we do else that's classic? So we're going to do. Um, you know, the raptors in the kitchen and what the one has got its head down. The other one is standing there kind of erect and it's barking at it, you know, cause mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, it's iconic. And, yeah. Right. And we're, we're doing them in six scale. So, you know, they'll, they, they display well on their own. They'll display well with other stuff. So, um, we're doing those in six scale. We'll probably do a painted and a bronze edition of those because we have a bronze version of the breakout Rex that's coming. Cool. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Really nice in my kitchen. So <laughs> excited about that. <laughs> um, so we have the Raptors in the kitchen coming and then we have the spitter coming as well. And we've got Nedry kind of laying on the muddy bank. Oh, as oh bank. cool. And the little spitter is just kind of like there. He's like, I'm going to run over you when I come back down this hill. Yeah. So, and then we're going to do two heads, so you can have the the frilled head or the oh cool. Oh, right. you know. So well. we're, and I, I just thought that by doing those iconic images from the film, and, and not to knock Lost World, um, Owen and Blue, you know, I think it's a cool piece. It's not scale. It's it's a decent price. Um, the Blue Raptor, I think, is like everybody's fan favorite, but those just haven't sold as well because I think may, even like Indominus Rex, we did the big like 30-inch Indominus Rex. It just hasn't struck a chord with people. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And especially overseas yeah. people. Like if you look at the sales on the Breakout and the Stan Winston's pieces overseas as opposed to the to the Lost World stuff, it's 50 to 1. Yeah, mm-hmm. wow. I just I think the nostalgia uh, and the I mean Jurassic Park has become like a top five for I don't know I'm just gonna make up a fake stat. Yeah, we just went to the Atlanta Symphony <laughs> yeah. Orchestra to see the movie. Everybody in, the, yeah. in America has Jurassic Park in their top three favorite movies. It's That's just a fact. It's, it's just a fact. It's just a fact. Yeah. Uh, no, but people are nostalgic for it. Yeah, we hold it near and dear. Yeah, it's in my top twenty for sure. Yeah, right. For sure. Yeah, and uh, people have a great. Uh, appreciation for it and remember it. And the scenes from the first movie are very iconic. And all I'm saying is if I worked for Chronicle, every day I would pitch the Raptor from Jurassic Park three saying Alan, 
<laughs> like a little the, word bubble on the plane. That would be my idea yeah. every day, and I'd I'd get fired very quickly. You'd get fired. Yeah. I want a West Indian get him out of here. statue. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the uh, I love the Raptors in Jurassic Three. They have definitely different. Yep. They they have a very characteristic head, and they have the feathers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my only fear with doing one of those is the feathers, yeah. and we've had a lot of people go, "Oh well, you could do them like you're doing the Irex spines, where we cast the the dinosaur in polystone." But all of the little quills that are on his back, we've started doing mixed media where we would do those in a, in a PVC okay, so that you, you can bristle those and they don't break off. So people are very adamant about, I don't collect PVC statues because they don't weigh enough. And it's <laughs> what? Like, no, 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 no. This argument is, is the most ridiculous argument, and I've had it with these guys online. If it's not a 1,000-pound polystone resin statue, they don't want it. I want it I was, heavy. <laughs> it needs to earn that title of statue. <laughs> if you guys are sideshow fans, they did they did a swamp thing, which is an old Bernie Wrightson style swamp mm-hmm. thing that's done by Paul Komoda. And they've come out and said that the whole thing is going to be made out of PVC and vinyl because it's so intricate and it has all these tree pieces coming off of it and vines and all of this. And I was a first day order on this thing. I bought that thing because it's Paul Komoda and Bernie Wrightson. Steve Rio has painted it. It's beautiful. I know it's going to be great. And these nuts are over on the boards going, that's PVC. It won't weigh anything. It's not worth anything. <laughs> well, what are they What are they doing with it that they need it to weigh something? Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want it to, like, weigh, you know, a thousand pounds and be heavy and shatter if it hits a ground. Like, well, whatever. Argument. I said, so if I made that one out of resin and I had the same one in PVC and I set them on the table and you had to pick which one you wanted based solely on how cool it was. Would you do it? And they said, no, because we might be stuck with the PVC one. Hey, collectors <laughs> are the best. Yeah. Hey, Aren't they? Here's the Absolutely thing. the most ridiculous argument. So when we made the little modern icons pieces, those, be honest, those are all PVC and vinyl. But what we, I think what's happened is people think applause. Remember applause way back in the night. 1990s and yeah they made a lot a lot of our gremlin stuff i think is applause okay. did nightmare before christmas which was their big yep. one. okay yeah. got it yeah like bars of soap that's what i call them you know it's kind of sculpted like a bar of soap it's gotcha. got mm-hmm. as minimal amount of detail on it as you can whereas today with the technology and taking a 3d model and going right into the mold and machining that right into the mold it's changed the whole game. The whole game has changed. So now, like with the T60 and this piece, that this third piece, even Alloy from Zero Dawn, that thing is, God, I forget how many individual pieces it is, and there's no humanly way possible you can make that fragile bow and the string and the feathers and all of this. And it was polystone. It just couldn't be done. So I look at it as like we augment some of our figures with a little bit of PVC and vinyl here. That has to be flexible. Like we did a Moxie for Gearbox, and she has um, she's a character from Borderlands, and she has these flowing coattails. And we did them in PVC, and the body is resin. The some of the other pieces, like her hair that's got little curlies, was PVC. And people didn't say anything about it because it weighs a thousand pounds. Because the body, <laughs> the other add-on parts, that they, they don't care. That that doesn't matter. So. To get back to Jurassic with the Irex, what we do is we put that little bit of vinyl in there on like the quills. So when you take it out of the box, it's still in one damn piece. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. We, we get it. Look, 
Uh, well, there's always something to complain about. I, I like the idea of people just like displaying uh, like bricks of concrete. Like, look how much that thing weighs. <laughs> look how it's good- so heavy. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, obviously worth a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess our one-to-one Raptor must be worth gold because it's 70 pounds. Oof. So that's good enough. Yeah. Uh-huh. You better send one over so we can uh, confirm this. <laughs> we need to lift it. <laughs> myself, remember? Uh, but, um, That's the problem. Yeah. Well, we'll yeah. have to get it on the mail. No, nah, nah, we're, was, just, we're just, yeah. no, we, it, those things look great. We, um, now let me ask you this. As far as the yeah. licensing goes, is it with the human actors' faces or are, 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 can yeah. we see a statue with Grant and Ellie? Because we're big Laura Dern fans. Oh, Big time, oh, yeah. We, I just saw the quarter-scale Grant. Uh, oh, okay. We are doing him holding the flare. Nice. Uh, and the flare will light up. So quarter-scale, <laughs> that'll be somewhere like 17, 18, 18 inches? Yeah, our, our quarter-scale is right around 18 inches. Cool. Uh, it's we've, we've done direct overlays to the screenshots to get his baggy shirt just right, to get his baggy pants just right, to get his Timberland boots just right. So we we really are going the extra mile to make sure that all the clothing is 100% and all the, the details and the, the likeness is looking really, really good. Dean and Anigo are doing the likeness for it, and it's looking really tight. And um, so, yeah, I, I want to do an Ellie. We're wanting to do – it's just really tough because Iron Studios is doing 10th scale figures, and we've kind of committed to a ninth scale line. Okay. I don't know if people are going to buy – a ninth scale figure if they buy a tenth scale figure. And I don't know if I can just justify doing an Ellie in quarter scale. Right. You know, because mm-hmm. that's be like a $500 or $600 figure. So I just don't know if there, there might be enough fans. I don't know. We would just have to, yeah. to play it. There's three right here. Yeah. All three of us would. For <laughs> yeah, sure. You got three of them. <laughs> um, but uh, it's just another one of those things like the, I mean, an 18 inch Grant statue sounds right up. A lot of people I know is Allie, so mm-hmm. that's going to be... When, yeah. when will that be Very released? Cool. This year? Uh, yes, we will have that for Comic-Con. I don't know that it'll be for, up for pre-order before Comic-Con, but we're also working on Malcolm as well. So we're doing two quarter-scale figures. We're doing Malcolm and Grant for Comic-Con. Um, I can say with authority, we're doing probably not what you're expecting us to do with Malcolm. So Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so i don't know because okay. it's like like the 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 laying down with the shirt open pose is like is that what i expect now or is that what i don't expect right i don't know uh Let well see what you don't expect okay, hmm. okay. there you go okay. uh well very cool very very cool um god i oh, want to yeah. see that yeah I, I think uh you know we want to have a little fun with it too and so getting back to the actors um all of the actors have likeness approval so with Chris Pratt, we sent we submitted the six scale figure, which of course may never get made. It, it may get made. But it's still on our license, um, and then we did it down to nine scale. So we used the same likeness and we just shrunk it down. But when you shrink things down, you, you you can't do like some of the toy companies where the prototype that's like two up looks brilliant, and then when they you know scan it down, it it doesn't look that great. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do is we go in and we have Dean re-sculpt basically for the smaller scale because you have to kind of, I don't know if it's accentuate or, you know, you have to kind of pop details here and there. So anyway, we, we did the little Chris Pratt. Uh, everybody's seen the pictures on the website and I think mm-hmm. it was 
like him. And Dean did that. Dean, damn Dean, did that like Damn it, Dean. <laughs> and uh, it's brilliant. And Chris Pratt loved it. So that was, I think there were like, oh, well, there's like a bag under the eyes. We got to smooth those out a little bit. Oh, there's a little line in the cheek. We need to get rid of that. It was very minor stuff. I mean, some people, at least I've heard, like some actors are very vain. And they want a very stylized. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I imagine. But Chris Pratt, power to him, man. He just wanted a few things. It was probably his like stylist or publicist wanted to right. change. He probably yeah. took one look at it and went, man, that's cool. You know, because right. he, he's like a very fun guy. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's not like we have the hot phone where we pick it up and go, hey, Chris, what do you think about stuff? You know, we don't, we don't get that. Right, right. Now, now I'm racking my brain. I, I've, I want to see what, what uh, I know you guys haven't done uh, uh, a Bill Murray figure for Ghostbusters, but I would love to see what Bill Murray looks like approving his, his likeness. That's just something I want to see. Uh, I that I would do a, a Bill Murray because I think Blitzway absolutely crushed it with their six scale figure. Yeah, they, yeah. Did, they did good stuff. I don't. I, I don't think I want to touch that. I mean, at one point I wanted to do quarter scale figures, and then I think HCG may have made quarter scale figures yeah. of Bill Murray, which I mean, I like the sculptor who did that. I like his work. I, I think they had two sculptors actually. They had one version, and then they brought I think Trevor Grove in to redo the head, and and I like his stuff. But there's just something about it. I just it was like, yeah, okay, you know, right, uh, right. it was just kind of lifeless to me. But when I saw the Blitzway pieces, I was like, holy crap, those yeah. are just, and I bought that big Ecto one. So now I've got to go buy the stupid figures, I guess. Go. <laughs> That's going to be a beast. That thing's like, I don't know, like five feet long or yeah, something like huge. that. It's huge. Yeah. Um, Crazy. But for like 1400 bucks, I was yeah. like, it's a steal, you know? I mean, it's like, it, it just, the craftsmanship that went into it, I saw the thing and I was just like floored. I was like, yeah, where do, where do you sign me up? You know, now I just need hot toys to make that 66 Batmobile that they ooh, showed at comic like four years ago. Very cute. You know, it's just like every time I see those guys, I'm like, where's my damn Batmobile? <laughs> where is it? Hot toys. You like hold them. That's a movie. You hold hot toys hostage for their, for their Batmobile. <laughs> like a lot of stuff and I don't even display a lot of stuff in in my studio that's my own stuff. I think I have a cane robot out just because it was the first one that was produced and maybe one of the Terminator heads that we did but that's about it. That's all I keep on display. Everything else is in storage but you know I do display some other company stuff but not much. You know it's got to be one of those like like the the Hulkbuster I will definitely display that because it's just a beast and, but it's got to be that thing that just really I'm like, I look at it and I go, my God, how long did it take to make this? Oh, I have, uh, I do have a Prime 1 Transformer. I think it's Prime 1 or XM. Whoever made the big Transformers, I have the start mm. that they did. Because uh, that was the only one that was designed by the guy that actually designed the original Transformers. And um, I, I just thought that was a pretty cool piece. But anyway, I, I have a few cinema kits because those are just phenomenal. And we're partners with Toy Nami. So I have a few of those, um, but well, it yeah, was, it was funny when you mentioned Bill Bryan because we've interviewed him on our show and we've met him a couple times and he's a really nice guy, and he still has the original cast of the Stay Puffed Hands and every now and then he'll make a mold of them and he'll sell them at a con, but he'll only make like two pairs and bring them to the con. So like, right. I don't know if that would be a huge seller for you guys, but I know I'd buy some Stay Puffed Hands. Yeah, for sure. yeah. <laughs> 
I don't know. I mean, I always thought they'd make great potholders. You know, oh, <laughs> absolutely. That's what I was thinking. Silicone <laughs> potholders. You know, so um, I think those would be kind of cool. No, I, I listen. I mean, if Think Geek wanted it, I would probably make it because they do do a lot of kitchenware and stuff mm-hmm. like that. That might be something I pitch to them when when I see them mm-hmm. in the next um, at Toy Fair. So I like yeah. that. I have a Stay Puffed apron, so it'll all pair it'll nicely. It goes. Yeah. It goes I'm together. Excited. Yeah. Kind of um, seems like a brainer. I just don't want to do like loot crate and make a uh, an oven mitt that burns people's hands. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, we've got a, a Star Wars yeah, oven mitt that Wars, I would not use. Definitely, I would not, not use that, yeah. that loot crate. Oven <laughs> it was a total like a, letdown. It was, a, it was a Thanos glove and, and <laughs> yeah. people's hands, and they actually got sued over it. It was like flammable. Wow. Oh. That's what <laughs> it was flammable. I just think it was like it was like putting on a. It was too thin or something. Oh, okay. I didn't offer protection. Okay. No, not at all. This, I wouldn't. I wouldn't set a pot off the stove Dude, on the thing. On the first counter. of all, don't use that for real. Like only display only. That's I like my the. I like the idea of somebody. I like the idea of somebody wearing an infinity gauntlet, but burning their hands yeah. on the stove. Like, I, I like to think that Thanos himself created those and sent them as down. A villain? It's yeah. just his little joke. Yeah. <laughs> and it's gonna burn your hand. Oh, guys, we have um, to stop him. So. Uh, Paul, but maybe the other side to that, maybe it's because you're not Thanos at furniture. There it yes. is. True. You can't. True. You, you think you can hold an Affinity Stone? You can't even hold a fucking pot. It's like the end of Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. We all have to like hold hands together to use it. Paul, before before we let you go, I did want to ask you about Ghostbusters. Um, you guys have the Terror Dog that's been out for a while. That's that's a beautiful piece. We've all been to uh, yeah, it is. Uh, that's proudly displayed in the Ghost, Ghost the yeah. Ghost Corps offices, and it's uh, definitely eye catching. Um, do you guys have any plans to do more Ghostbusters down the road? So we have a very large one to one scale piece that's coming. Okay, Ooh. probably okay. within the next month, we will okay. have a very large lighted one to one scale piece that's coming, and it's a creature. Mm. Cool. And it's cool. going to melt people's brains when you see this thing. So wow. it's wow. Very, cool. very cool. Very cool. Cool, cool. Uh, well, we'll have to. Uh, I have a feeling I know what that is, but we'll we'll save that for off the air. Uh, but it's for the Ghostbusters is something I definitely want to keep doing. It's just there's a finite amount of stuff that you can make, you know. And right. Randy Cook, who made the the Terror Dog, to give Randy credit because you guys love that piece. Randy sculpted the the quarter scale terror dog for the movie. Uh, that was a puppet about ten years ago. He sent me the mold and had me restore the original mold, uh, plaster mold that made the terror dog puppet. And while it was at my shop, I asked him if I could have permission to pour silicone into it to get a silicone positive of the terror dog to make the replica that you see now. Um, and myself and Christina Francis, my wife, we cleaned that piece up and we got it ready to be molded and. And I think it came out really well. It has sold horribly, I will admit. I mean, it's, it's not something that um, people really gravitated towards for some reason. And maybe just because it was so big. But I love the piece. I think it's cool. And it was one of those things that I always wanted to make. And I'm glad I got it out of my system. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Cool. It's weird. that the ter- Like, for ghost hardcore Ghostbusters fans, I think we love the Terror Dogs. But I think most people, when you think Ghostbusters, it's Stay Puff and Slimer. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, yeah, and, I, think, uh, I think definitely it. And, and I wanted to do the one scale slimer that was a <laughs> Steve shop. Yeah. 
Oh, nothing from that film. Uh, I know. <laughs> I know. Like, that's your big announcement, right? You're doing that's a the Kevin big, statue. The, the, the new Wonder One creatures, <laughs> Melissa McCarthy. Rowan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got Jake going. <laughs> we actually toy with the idea because we actually were offered that movie free. Uh, okay. It would just make something from it, and we were just kind of like, eh. The only thing I thought would be cool was to do a Holtzman with her guns out, those little right. lasso guns yeah. out, yeah. and yeah. licking one on her. You know, because I thought she was, she's definitely the best character in that Keeper. entire yeah. You know? I, I would say, I know it's not going to happen now, but I, I think that would sell. I think the people well, would gravitate to that character. I, I absolutely believe that it would, and, and we were, we were going to do it, and we were all for it, and then we just kind of were like, mm-hmm. you know, movie yeah. came and we were like, uh, uh, right. Well, so so it, it's interesting. Like we, we all love Slimer and we've had this conversation on the podcast so much. There's never been a perfectly done, like definitive, s- definitive Slimer oh, from the first oh, movie. Now, I'll go to the mat with you on that one. I did one in 2008, Steve Johnson art directed it. My wife sculpted it. I did it. It was with the Amazon bundle. For the video game. Okay. Oh, I know which one. It's the statue that comes with the sign. Those have kind of faded over the years. Wait, it's the it's the one where he's like one hand is on the sign. Sign and that. Yeah, I I agree with you. That is the best Slimer that I've seen. Okay, you said your wife sculpted that. That's awesome. She well, we we kind of made people believe that Steve sculpted it because it was he art directed it. We never actually said that he sculpted it, but most Mm -hmm. people Steve. But my wife actually. <laughs> very cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, so I will. But that piece, I would go to the mat and say, up until the one to one was released. But you see, the one to one that HCG and NECA have is still not from the movie. No. That's it's not. That's one that Steve had sculpted for the shop that hung up in the ceiling, and mm-hmm. then Simp got a hold of it, and I think he molded it, and then you know. Steve worked a deal to get those made by NECA and HCG. And then for some reason, HCG made it without a butt crack. And NECA was allowed to make it with a butt crack. And yeah, I'm just like, seen that butt crack. we've had the it, butt crack discussion. It's mm-hmm. butt crack gate. That's what you guys need to be investigating. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. I'll investigate that. Um, but crack on the HCG one to one. Yeah. Uh, when, our buddy has, uh, our buddy Hal has the, the NECA one and uh, it does look, them. It looks really good, but it's not Slimer from the movie. Mm-hmm. So. No, I, and I, I apologize. I forget the gentleman that sculpted that piece. It's right on the tip of my tongue, and I can't remember his name. But uh, Ivan Spangler. A, no, absolutely not. But uh, <laughs> I can't remember his name. But anyway, it was it was sculpted, you know, in the mid '90s. You know, well after the film, and I have the pictures of the guys actually sculpting it, molding it in the shop, but. It looked great in the shop because it was made out of a almost a clear uh, resin that was painted tinted like a light green and hung up in the ceiling of Steve Shop. And it, I stared at it every day when I walked in. I was like, "Man, one day I'd love to have one of those." And now I got one. I bought a neck of one, and it's it's hanging in my or it's in, sitting in my shop. But um, love that piece. Um, no no original ties to the original film. I don't know that there's anything. I'm trying to think if you know the, the only thing that I know of that. Um, exists is the quarter scale terror dog that we made. And then this new piece that we've got coming out, those are like the only two pieces that I know that still exist from the film other than some original film props that have just decayed, you know, right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, We've, we've, 
we've gone down that road. It's it, it would be nice if there was more original stuff out there, but hopefully, you know, people discover stuff and stuff comes out of private collections and you never know. In my private collection, I do have uh, a storyboard of Slimer going down the hallway on the cart, and it's one of the original draw, hand-drawn storyboards that's actually Slimer with the cart hidden towards the wall. So that oh, that's was cool. Yeah, I'm that a little bit cool. jealous. That's very cool. Um, like, it's hard to find anything from Ghostbusters. You know, it's just not out there. The one thing I would love to do are the tear dogs as the statues on top of the building. Whether that would be yeah. tight. Dude, yes. Like, as bookends, that would be amazing. Yeah, like the Art Deco Ghostbusters oh, dog. Oh, hell yes. I love that. Please. Yeah, I do. <laughs> but it's just like getting my partner to sign off on that is going to be tough, I'm going to tell you. So it's yeah. like yeah. – it, paradox in storage you know it's it's this weird thing we've always gone through with ghostbusters where it is one of the most recognizable logos in the world and everybody loves it but when it comes to just you know the the awareness of it or the availability Available, yeah. it's just it's not star wars you don't see it like in star every wars, store so. star wars yeah i, I always <laughs> yeah. tell people I, I like to go down those roads that are less traveled that's why we're mm. doing yeah. henson we're only the only people doing. We're the only guys in our division doing, you know, labyrinth and dark crystal. Tight, we're the, we respect it. Yeah, we're the only guys that are really doing Jurassic Park. At least in the United States, we have the exclusive here. Um, you know, we're we we just we're cutting our niche. You know, we're not sideshow. We're not some of these other companies. You know, it's just I don't I don't want to be everything to everybody. I just want to stay true to what we're trying to do, which is you know, the proper replicas and stuff like that. And even when we do these vignettes where we create a breakout T-Rex, I mean, Glenn McIntosh and Joe Johnson and all those guys, they're, they're all seeing what we're doing and they're making notes and signing off on it. And I just think that's cool, you know, that yeah. they, you know, when we send something over to approval to Universal, it goes to Amblin and ILM. Yeah. Approvals. Right. It's not just Universal going, hey, you know, uh, because I call it the old soccer mom mentality. Not saying this about Universal at all, but <laughs> typically the person who's approving this stuff historically doesn't even know what the film is. You know, right. they open up a style guide and they go, oh, yeah, look at this. This doesn't match the style guide, which was probably some drawing some guy did 20 years ago for a box of Frosted Flakes. You know? <laughs> right. It has nothing to do with the scene in the film, you know. Yeah, so, it's like a different iteration, exactly. Yeah, so I mean, and, I, and I've told this story before. It's like when we did the Stegosaurus, we'd gone through one of our licensing changes, and we sent over the approval photos, which I painted. I didn't paint it like Stan Winston's maquette because he painted it kind of this garish aqua color for the. Mm-hmm. And then when it got to production, they made it more woodsy. It's, it's dark greens, and the the big scoots on his backs are browns that fade into tans and all this. So I wanted to get what was on screen, not what Stan actually did. Um, so we sent it over to Universal and I get this note back where's the hexagon pattern on the skin surface what the what the frick are you talking <laughs> about? I'm almost wanting to drop the info it's like oh like, you, can, you can you can drop no, you it can. absolutely can what are they talking about so, so we get the style guide and I guess Hasbro had made a stegosaurus and put oh, a oh god pattern on the back of the stegosaurus and they literally brought out the style guide and go nope didn't match style guide close it up and put it away you want to like send them a note back and 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 say like have you guys seen this movie right (laughs) i screen tapped tapped like 
in photos of the Stegos in that scene where Julianne Moore's photographing them. Mm-hmm. Sent pictures of stands. I sent pictures of ours. And I said, I'm trying to capture a scene from a movie, not something Hasbro made in 1997. Right. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. going gonna to send in a T-Rex, and they're going to open up the style guide, and it's going to be one of those... Uh, like those I mean, ne- neon orange yeah, T Rexes, and they're going like, "No, that's not." Let, let me give credit is due. Reb Overturf, who is our main go-to gal now, she's been with us for since we started two two years ago, since we started the Jurassic Park license. She now handles all the reviews, and she deals with all the departments to get our product approved. And I pray to God that we never lose Reb as <laughs> our go-to person there at Universal. And she's been brilliant. She's come out to Monster Palooza and supported us. She's, you know, she sends notes. She's very, she gets it. And it's funny because she correct, she likes to correct me all the time. She, I, I said when I went in for the big pitch and everything and I was talking to her, I said, this is my vision of what I want Jurassic Park to be. And she quickly said, yes, but it's our property. <laughs> I like that. I like that. You you can do whatever you want to do, but it's my property at the end of the day. But but she gets it. She gets my vision. So, like, with the boxes, you'll see, like, I did the the Explorer box, the the, the Dress Park Explorer for the Breakout T-Rex. For the Compi, it has the camouflage. And I don't think anybody's caught it yet. That's the side of the Mercedes. You can see the door panels and the gas. Oh, cool. So the that's on that box is from the little Mercedes. I couldn't put a big Mercedes logo on it because, you know, I'd get sued. Right, right. So the female T-Rex box is going to really blow people away because it's a gold box with a big red stripe around it with the, the numbers when the Jeep's getting chased. Mm. Uh, and so it's, it's going to be – and then on the back, the only product shot is the mirror of the Jeep, and it says, you know, objects in the mirror may be closer than they appear. Yeah. So you get that yeah. system. So eventually when you get it, you can display all three of those boxes. You go, oh, there's all the cars from Jurassic Park. That's very cool. Yeah. yeah I, like I that. love that. I love what the I just heard. The likes is when I come up with stuff like that because she absolutely digs it. So if you look at like the, the Stego box, it's this big, beautiful photo of all of them standing in the creek watching the Stegos walk by. If you look at the, the Jurassic Park male bust box, it's the, the the bull roaring in front of San Diego. And and let's say hats off to Bob Lindemeyer, who's been with us since day one, too. Bob Lindemeyer has designed this entire look. And I basically go, okay, Bob, I want this, 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 and this. Go wild. And as a, an art director or a creative director, if you give that artist a lot of leeway and they go and they design something and then you kind of reel it back in, you know, to where you want it, I think mm-hmm. that thing instead of going in there and going well i want this here and that there and, and there's no creativity on their part yeah. you know right. i want them to go and do their thing and come back and believe me bob and i must have this brainwave that's like on the same thing and even mike champion now who's our our new in-house artist um he's designed some boxes with me and we're on that brainwave where you know like with lab we're, we're doing a, a dark crystal and elaborate piece which are shipping now to thinking stores um, a one-to-one scale prop and a scale, not scale sketches that we're doing for those guys. So we're, we, the, when we did those boxes, it was just kind of like a click, you know? So I want to give a big shout out to our box. I think our boxes are just as cool as our products on some of these JPP. Yeah. yeah and that's, that's super important. Packaging is important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. For display purposes. That's the stuff that it, it, it takes it to the next level. And, and like 
none of, as collectors like if it's a nice box we'll display the box like yeah <laughs> I'm I, mean, I don't throw bo- I don't throw boxes away yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe I see a lot of people post their collections and I'll see like the breakout box like some- <laughs> yeah. like, they just bought the box on eBay yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you get the right you get the box oh, no I see the different product sitting there but I just think it's kind of it's kind of neat you know and then and then people always fuss at me because I made the breakout wreck to craft project where you actually have to build the fence and everything <laughs> 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 that's, a, that's a big, a big risk that you have to take to think: Can someone actually do this? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Are they going to spend the time to sit there and bend these wires and not destroy the thing? Because believe me, you can really tear the thing up if you're really ham-handed with it. But you know, at the end of the day, I think people kind of dug it. They were kind of like, "I'm making my own little scene." For, you know, yeah. their, their wife comes in the living room and they're bidding, they're like, "What the hell are you doing?" I'm, I'm. I'm crafting my dinosaur, honey. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that happened to me once when I was selling toys full time and I was combing uh, My Little Pony's hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, don't act like I wasn't right there with you yeah, combing you it right out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I no. really had about with troll hair because of, uh, as you know, everything in the Henson universe utilizes some form of troll hair. And right. Mm-hmm. I recently... I went around for like a week with troll hair glued all over my hands, you know, <laughs> prototype. It was like, it was horrible. Everywhere I would look, there would be like troll hair. And I was like, damn, this it, is, it, is killing me, you know. Damn you. It's worse than glitter. Jim Henson, you're worse than Dean. Dean. I love Dean. Dean's, uh, Dean's solid. So. Yeah, we love Dean, too. We love Dean. Uh, Paul, we... Uh, <laughs> Out wreck. So <laughs> Dean, Dean crushed it on the breakout. I think that piece is still one of my favorites. So, well, listen, we really appreciate you spending some time talking Jurassic Park with us. Um, Give me this rush now. I see how it is. Uh, okay. No, well, I actually have one more question, which is something I meant to ask you at the very beginning. Do you okay. have a dream product or license that that you that is like kind of something you're eyeing or have always wanted to, and you just haven't been able to do it yet? I think there's a few of those actually. I mean. We, we have a lot of licenses that people just don't even realize that we have that we really haven't utilized, which we have the thing. John Carpenter's the thing. Oh, wow. Whoa, we, yeah. we, we did a piece for Loot Crate. We did Botine's Monster, the Twisted Norwegians for Loot Crate. And we bought the license during that. And we just renewed it because we have Carrie Gamble, um, who's a very famous comic artist, designing our nightscale figures. And we're going to do all of the guys from the thing um, in that series. So oh, I think that, Jake just passed out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and we're, we're actually making these things for 80 bucks. So it's an $80 ninth scale statue. So you get a nice eight inch tall statue on a very cool base with the logo and everything. And I think people will, and we're going to do them two at a time. So we'll do like, you know, Giles and Blair and, and windows and McCready and, you know, we'll, we'll Gary and, and one of the other guys, you know, so we'll, we'll keep them all, you know, where you get them like two at a time, but and if you buy both, you get a discount or something. But, you know, I want to I think if I had a, a, a dream project, you, you know, it would probably be Star Wars. But I don't know what I would do from Star Wars, you know, right. but I've also a lot of weird stuff because I consider ourselves like keeper of the obscure. I mean, we made a war rocket Ajax from Flash Gordon, for God's right. sakes. You know, it's <laughs> like I, I think I think I would do, you know, like Damnation Alley. I love the big Landmaster vehicle from Damnation Alley. Okay. I would love to do Blade, the original Blade Runner, although nobody can ever do the original Blade Runner because of the Blade Runner Consortium who owns the rights. 
Okay. Um, okay. I, w- I mean, there's, there's, that's like saying what's your most favorite movie. I will say this. We have also have another license that most people don't. We have Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, wow. And wow. we have, uh, here's you an exclusive. I've got a mothership that's being printed right now from oh. Close Encounters. Mm. The third kind. So, wow. what's the size uh, on that? Uh, it's going to be small. It's for Luke. It's for uh, uh, Think Geek. Okay. So it's on the smaller side, but the entire display is going to blow you away. I mean, it's. Cool. I, I, cool. Think, I think the. I think the bottom dish diameter on that is about ten inches. So when you consider okay. how big that spaceship actually is, it's it's really a, a a sizable piece. So we have we have licenses like that, which most people don't know that we actually even have. Very cool. Uh, so you know we've got we've got a few of those, but um, yeah, I mean there's crazy stuff out there. I would love to do. You know, it's, it's I, I don't know. There's yeah. there's so much stuff. You know, and and I'd love to do the X Files. I would love to do a Mulder and Scully. That's like a killer quarter scale Mulder and Scully. You know, yeah. and I think those would be cool. You know, I'd love to do Fifth Element. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been trying to get Fifth Element for years now. You know, another license that we have we have batteries not included. Most people don't know we have that. One. <laughs> so um, we have a lot of cool stuff, and, and I think we have a lot of cool stuff coming this year, and I think people will be – I think once you see the sick track in a few weeks, you, you guys are going to be – you're going to be really happy. Oh, yeah. yeah, excited well, for that. Between that and the Thing figures, yeah. Uh, hey, if we could just get Keanu and Patrick Swayze from Point Break, that would be my dream project mm. if I had a couple. Oh, yeah. That would be cute. I don't know if anybody would buy it, but. Well, we're working with Lionsgate right now. We did the John Wick uh, Blood Oath marker and the coins. Uh, oh, wow. That's cool. Very cool. So those are – we went to we went to the theater, I don't know, last year, and when Clay and I came out, I was like, man, I really want to make that Blood Oath marker. That movie was kick-ass, you know, and some of those coins. And sure enough, I called Sheila over at Lionsgate. She's like, yeah, whatever you want to make. Nobody's nobody <laughs> in this movie. And I'm like, what? It's like one See, of the greatest I've ever seen, you know. That, and, mm-hmm. That's the dream. Like, you're just watching a movie, and you're like, I want to make right? that. Yeah, I come out of the theater, and I go, I'm going to make that piece. And now you can buy it on the website, you know. And it's just like, I think that's the cool thing about having and owning your company, you know, where you can just and, – and I will go on the record and say not everything we do, you know, makes money. We, we, we As long as we don't lose money, that's what we try to do, you know. Yeah, and, it's about passion. Totally. Right. I mean, sometimes you get those winners like, you know, Terminator Genesis Endo Skulls, you know, a thousand of those, a thousand breakout races, 300 Raptors. Those are good. Those are good pieces. Uh, the big bus that we do, the, the T-Rex bus, those have been really good, you know. So um, I will say, too, we have a baby T-Rex in the works as well. Mm. So, uh, oh, wow. from a, cool. so, And we yeah, have that. Yeah. We, have, we have cool stuff, man. I mean, if you could come in the shop and just walk around, you would see like ten projects that we've been working on for probably a year, and you'd go, "Why haven't you put this up for pre-order?" And it's just you can only put eventually burn people out, you know. And it's just like we try to time everything. Although the next couple of months leading up to Comic Con are going to be pre-order heavy for us. We're gonna we're we're gonna we're gonna throw everything at you, but the kitchen sink. So and then I have goggles, the night vision goggles, which I'm right now finishing. Mm Uh, from Jurassic Park. So, wow. Are they heavy? Uh, <laughs> expensive. Put them down. <laughs> no, they're PVC. Also for collectors. They're, they're PVC. PVC. <laughs> we don't want them. We don't want them. <laughs> PVC. Well, they're uh, not actually part PVC, but 
we're hopefully going to do them out of uh, fiberglass. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. got it. Got well, it. I would hope that the the ecto or the ecto goggles, the uh, night vision goggles, weren't like made of stone. <laughs> that would be tough. <laughs> uh, you know, we it was really funny when we went to, and I don't think I've ever talked about. This, we went to the Universal Archives. We were Ooh. like, oh yeah, we want you to pull everything out. And, we go to this big building. It's like nondescript, has no markings on it. It's, it's miles away from, not even in the same city as, as Universal Studios. And uh, because their licensing division is at the park in California. So it's like right across the street from the Universal Park. So anyway, we drive up to this other city and we go to this big white building. It's all nondescript. And we walk in the front door. We're like, pull everything out. You got dressed because we're going to, we're going to photograph and document and do all this. <laughs> and I get there. There's a pair of goggles. There's a cane, uh, the Hammond cane, and there is a couple of raptor eggs. And I'm, I'm like, okay, guys, this is cool. This is a start. Where's the rest of it? <laughs> this is a good start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's literally all we have. Wow. And I was kind of blown away. It's funny that the stuff we've donated, because like when we cast the, the Stan Winston maquettes, we always make sure they get castings for the archives. And I think we've donated more stuff in two years than they had originally as original props from the film. And that that's just a testament that most of these studios, they don't even appreciate their own history. They do now. They save everything they can, you know, now. But, you know, back in those days, they were getting ready. And, and the funny part was the cane that they had was actually one of the promotional canes. It wasn't even one of the ones you know. Oh, weird. <laughs> There's a Blockbuster logo on it. <laughs> and, and well, <laughs> was everything was white glove you can't touch anything unless you got white gloves and then this person has to move it for you and and if you want to take photos of that side she needs to pick it up and turn it and i'm like i handle original movie props every day i know what i'm doing no you can't touch it and i was like fine you know so we photograph all this stuff and move it around but the mvgs that they have are actually were used in uh, lost world as well so okay. they were mm-hmm. uh, in the lost world little kid picks them up in that so uh, so they have a little bit of a tie to both movies and and there's a lot of contention over the night vision goggles too because everybody thinks they're one way and everybody thinks they're another way well guess what we know what way they are we've seen them photographs we i have a thousand photographs of the night vision goggles i have measurements of everything we found the airborne camera so we have the original lenses for the thing um, there's a guy who built a set over in England and, and he did a really fantastic job. And I feel really bad because he's like, I used all the ref. Like we, we took General Giant scan the thing for us and we posted this image of the night vision goggle scan. What we didn't tell anybody was we changed it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the replica uh, sneaky. photos, it wasn't right. Yeah. So. I felt, I felt kind of bad in that that he he references us as being his source for his night vision goggles, and I think he only built one motorized pair, and he did a brilliant job on it. They're called the Goat Finder or something like that. But the guy did a great job on the things, and and my hats off to him. He, he they look brilliant, but there's little things that he missed because we we were evil and we changed. <laughs> well, that's his but, problem now. Inaccurate. Well. <laughs> You guys are you guys are working for Engine, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going to see a rush on Nikon cameras when ours come out because everybody's going to be scrambling to find these twenty-five year old obsolete cameras. <laughs> right, a dollar at a yard sale right. now going 
the last one I saw sold for like over six hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, that I mean that's, that happens in the Ghostbusters. Yeah, community. with Ghostbusters, I mean a lot of the you know the found pieces on on the proton packs, the stuff. lifeguard or whatever. Oh yeah. 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 Eight pounds in nineteen ninety five buying Ghostbusters stuff off the shelf. In nineteen ninety five, I was at Apex, so I was there long before most of the modern nerds were there. I was there with Sean mm-hmm. and all those guys. You know, Jose Salcedo and. If you know Sean, he's beaten in mm-hmm. one, so he made all the first packs. Yeah, and Sean. Sean just did the. Uh, they just molded uh, the the Spangler pack mm-hmm. uh, for a Novo, so they're going to sell it as. Uh... I'm not sure what to make of that. Well, uh, we can... <laughs> there's a there's a quite a bit of debate going on. Yeah. Do that, you know. I don't think I could ever take something like that because they're saying, "Well, we didn't hurt anything. We didn't do anything to it." You know. I would have to argue with that. I think. Well, first of all, they're calling it the Spangler Pack because it had a, a piece of tape on it that's the Spangler. But it's been well documented that that is not. It's either it's a Zedmore or possibly a Vankman Pack, but it's not the Spangler Pack. So there, that's one point of contention already. Yeah, I just I have a I have a real hard time when you tear an original part apart, mm-hmm. and you've got a bunch of guys in a garage doing it, you know, and, and granted, I, I love Sean and I, I'm sure that they took the utmost care and they did the best thing with it. But, you know, to dump silicone on something to me that iconic and priceless is kind of odd, you know? So, um, it's I, definitely I, a good debate and we're going to have it, it right now. Right? <laughs> you know, Throw down. And then as I'm on saying, the other line is a uh, Sean Bishop and Nova. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like I'm sitting here saying this, and I'm like, well, I I tore an original Horace apart and molded it. So is yeah. that any, yeah. you know? So, but I, I guess you just have to look at it as, you know, are you going to destroy it? Did you actually hurt anything? And to me, there's just something about having that original layer of dust on something, you yeah. know, that yeah. seems mm-hmm. to get yeah. more authentic, you know? Yeah. And, but- that's a very interesting thing to think about destroying the original to like give a little piece to everybody, to the masses. Like yeah. it's, it's like yeah, a really I guess, strange I guess space to be in. Yeah. There's something to be said for, okay, we sacrifice this piece so everybody can have one and that's great. But I think, I, I mean, there are replicas out there. They could have laser scanned it. Number one, they mm-hmm. didn't have to and mold it. They could have laser scanned it and reprinted it and redone it. You know, I know there's, and, and I'm always the guy that says, Hey, I pulled this from the original prop. If I had to do it over again with Horace and Anubis, and I know that I did damage the original Horace here and there in certain ways, I fixed it, and I don't think that anybody would ever really know, you know, that that, that happened. But um, I just think that there's, I don't know, I don't think that I would, if I had to do it over again today with as far as the technology is coming from scanning as opposed to four years ago, I don't think I would have torn that apart. And I think there are nice enough replicas of the Ghostbusters backpack on the market because everybody says they've got a real one and everybody says they molded a real one. <laughs> Just take, take one of those and make it. You know, why Why defile something that iconic? You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting into a debate. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get hate mail tomorrow for this. You bastard, why are you talking <laughs> You son of a bitch. Uh, no, I think... Um, we, no. we actually had the license for the one-to-one pack for like the first two years of our license, and we didn't do anything with it. Yeah. And we finally got a letter from them saying, there's another company wanting to make this, and we're like, more power to them. Yeah. You know, I think they, it's a they, tough sell at, at 3000 bucks because you can, you can 
get a proton pack for cheaper that looks really really good for for probably fifteen hundred to two thousand. Yeah, um, and put it together yourself. So. I think it was around two thousand one or two thousand two. I had made some help Sean make some of the first molds. Him and mm. Jose on on the Ghostbusters packs way back in the day. This was like two thousand, early two thousand. And they came over to my house one day and they had this proton pack and they set it on the couch. Man, this is great. He goes, yeah, this is the first one out of the new mold you helped us make and blah, blah. And he goes, it's a gift. Hmm. And, I, and I still have it to this day. And I look at it every, and I pull it down off the wall every once in a while and I play with it and I turn the lights on. And I just say, that's as good enough to me as the real thing. Right. You know, because yeah. those, they put a lot of blood, sweat and tears and research and all that into it. And that's why I just, it's like somebody asked me about that whole debate, and I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know if I would do it nowadays. So it's like with, with uh, you know, the Henson stuff and with Universal, but now we're laser scanning. And to me, that gets you as close to the original thing as humanly possible, you know, right. so. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm, assu- it's, it's, I'm assuming that's less labor-intensive and maybe more cost-effective, too. Well, in a way. I mean, taking something and molding it definitely is – cheaper than you know having general giant going over there you pay them for their day rate to scan and they have to decimate the information and they have to give it to you in an obj which is usable and every step of that costs you money so you have to look at it at the end of the day once i get that digital file of like the skexa staff which i think is super cool you know i'm probably going to be five grand into that piece by the time i get a physical prop of it had i had one just to mold and cast i probably could have made it for a thousand you know so i I see the advantages of just tearing something apart and molding it but i also have to look at it as like my time's not being wasted molding something you know right Right. i can keep adding cool stuff and and so that that way we look at it like okay so we got five into that as opposed to a thousand but how much time would i have had to have spent to mold all that you know blah 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 so um, but i get it i just don't know about that debate i'm sure i'll get hate mail tomorrow and sean will be like you bastard talking about (laughs) my passion project i know i love jose salcedo to death i love sean to death and i i'm i'm sure he took the utmost care in molding that i just i don't know it's not what you would have done maybe maybe not not now with the technology that i have and i know that I know that Anavos has a very nice scanner. I know that they scan all the Star Wars stuff that they produce, like all the Stormtrooper helmets and the Star mm-hmm. Wars. Yeah. is all laser scans. They're not mm-hmm. molded in the original thing. So um, they have the ability to do that. I think I probably would have found a pack shell that was probably reasonable and just maybe laser scanned all the little nerdy bits to go on it. You know? Yeah. yeah. My, my thing is that for, for that cost – you know they're not doing an aluminum thrower, and a lot of the pieces are still resin. And for three thousand dollars, you can get you know all the aluminum pieces on a pack, and uh, that's just a personal choice. But some people, you know, if you want to shell out the money and get that thing delivered to your door on a on a nice stand, and mm-hmm. you're, you're good to go, then more power to you. Yeah, I just I don't know. You know, there, there's the other side of it too, is the wait time and things like that. And I just. Uh, we, we try to keep our stuff. I think we've gone about a year and a couple of months on some pieces, but mostly we're in that eight to nine month, you know, delivery time on most of our stuff. Right. So I just don't like stuff that goes two and three and four years. I don't know how other companies do that and really keep their customer base on payment plans. Yeah. No, so, I, don't, I don't either. 
we we try to be one of those companies where okay, you're paid off on your payment plan, well your product's ready to ship. The Raptor bus, like most people are just now finishing their ten month payment plan. So I've timed that one pretty close. You know, uh, that one's about a year old. You know, um, Owen and Blue probably is going to be over a year for the sheer fact that the the blue Raptor paint job is tough, and I don't want to go through. We've had some hiccups with some of our products, but we've worked extremely hard to get you know Compi Robocop bus, one to one Raptor. We we fixed those problems. We think so. Cool. Uh, it's hard to get every. It's hard to get everyone to be a hundred percent. You know. Yeah. So. I hear you. Yeah, I mean, that's that. No, that's tough. I mean, it, it, you know, no company that makes high end collectibles is going to at some point you're going to have something that uh, isn't a hundred percent what you want it to be. And you know, as long as you're going, you're trying to correct those things and, and going forward, you uh, you know. What I tell people, you know, we get this the physical sample in, we approve the sample, and then what comes in isn't it all like the sample? Is it my fault? Sure. I guess I could have done more. You know, I could have asked for more samples or whatever, but it's like, okay, so you don't use that factory anymore. Let's move on to the next. You know, right. it's like we've, we've learned from, we've definitely, we definitely learned from our mistakes. And I think most companies do. And I don't know that there's really, we do Facebook lives and stuff like that. And I'm pretty open about what we do here. I'm pretty open about licensing. I'm pretty open about, you know, what we make and how we make it and all of that stuff because I'm just not threatened by anybody. I just don't care. People go, why do you talk about all this stuff? You don't let people know in your business. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to leave my own. That's the way I look at it. You know? And, right. and, yeah. I like that. No, it's better that way. I'm not. Yeah. You know, let, let people do whatever they want to do. If they want to come in and drink our Kool-Aid on a license, more power to them. Uh, I think they'll find out real quick, you know, with some, <laughs> some of the hurdles you got to go through to, to make some of these things, they'll find out real quick that it's like, Oh, Okay. This isn't as easy as they paint it, you know. Right, so, right. but I always no. tell everybody, it's it's. I, I do the Steve Johnson thing, and Steve Johnson, if he's at a convention and someone comes up and they go, "I want to be in the film industry," he goes, "Run, run as fast <laughs> as you can, get a job as a lawyer, a doctor, or as a computer guy and do computer. Don't don't go into special effects to be a hands-on guy. That is a dinosaur that's dying, you know. So, mm-hmm. if someone to me and said, I want to start a business just like you. I don't want to do this. I would be like, go find one to work for, you know, or something like that because it's hard. You know, it's hard just to get that first license. Yeah. It's like when someone's like, hey, I want to start a podcast. I'm like, don't. We don't want any competition. (laughs) Yeah. Stay away. 18 trillion podcasts. Exactly. True. Very yeah, true. it's hard because we're 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 the eighth biggest in the world. We don't want we don't want any more competition. <laughs> um, <laughs> say one PSA for YouTubers. Here's my thing. I, I love doing podcasts. I love talking to people like you guys. You guys seem to really be into it. I love doing Dark Crystal podcasts and all this stuff that I'm on. I, I love talking about this stuff. I just love it. The one thing I don't like is when people go, "I've got two million views on YouTube and I want to review your product." Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's nothing that gets me to send a thanks for your request, but no thanks letter faster than that. If See, you can put it to me, you can turn a product review into sales. I'll send you free product. Hey, we're going to be way more straightforward. We're going to be like, hey, no one's going to buy anything from listening to this, but you can still send it. <laughs> we our just way. want it. <laughs> we just want it. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that, you know, but it, it's just like I get asked. We probably get asked 
once or twice a week and I get all these people sending me all this stuff and I'm just, mm-hmm. I find it very comical because like I've got 50 million views on, on YouTube and I look at their videos. They average about 20,000. They just have 8 million videos. Up right, there. right, right. Yeah, it's a tough game. It, creating content like that and doing review, like honestly, like we, we do it because we love it. And like, you know, I, my first thought is I want to go, I want to check out the, you know, your shop. I want to see what you guys going on just because I want to. Where are you guys located? I'm sorry. I didn't even ask that. We're, we're Atlanta, in Atlanta. Yeah. We're Atlanta. Oh, well, shit. That's not that far away. You just need to get in the car, get on down here, fly down here, whatever you want to do. DFW is five minutes from here. We'll pick you up. You come over, you take the big tour stay a couple of days. See yeah. We would love it. Like actually be in the trenches, you know, at Chronicle Collectibles. I think that would be a kind of a neat look and, we do several podcasts. You do videos, whatever you guys want to do. But I, I haven't offered that to anybody. But yeah, if you guys want to come down, we do have a lot of people that come to visit, and I think they get kind of blown away because my partner has a three thousand square foot museum that's here, just chock full of. Oh, boy. oh okay. Abby's yes, just Abby some. just got in the car. I just left. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm gone. laughs> um, but yeah, we we will we will one hundred percent take you up on that because we we love traveling. We did. We do little road trips together. We were out at the Stanley Hotel last year. We're all big Stephen King fans, and we just, uh, we just, we just do stuff. Yeah, we're at Dinosaur Ridge with like museums. How how was the Stanley Hotel? I've always wanted to go there. It's great. It's great out there. Yeah, I mean, especially like it's full of like Stephen King stuff. So the whole Mm -hmm. time, like Stephen King and Dumb and Dumber is all we were doing. Like we're just quoting both. Yeah. It's great. It's nice, beautiful out there, yeah. Yeah, we did a tour. We thought it was going to be, like, the history tour, but it was, like, the ghost paranormal tour. (laughs) So it was a little different. But we had a good time. We had a really good time. You guys stayed at the hotel, or did you just visit it? Oh, we stayed. We We stayed a couple nights. nights. Yeah. Yeah. Any activity or anything like that? Yeah, there was a suitcase that was, like, knocked over in the middle of the night, which was kind of terrifying. Uh, um, I will say I, I'm not I'm not uh, too much of a believer in that kind of stuff. But the second night, we all heard some noises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that know, that did happen. Yeah, it did happen. It was it's part of the experience. I, I would be disappointed if we didn't hear anything. True. So, yeah, yeah I right. definitely want to. Uh, I definitely want to experience that at some point because I think that's a. I just I love that place. Love the carpet. I have a shirt that's actually the pattern of the carpet from the mm-hmm. show. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Jake has the pajama pants, so don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. There you go. So. Yeah. Well, thanks for the offer. We'll yeah, definitely we'll, we'll take you yeah, up on that. Yeah, for sure. Further. We, um, we'd love to see what you guys got going on over there. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a cool place. Like, I'm sitting here staring at a full-size T-Rex toenail that we're going to put out. <laughs> what the hell are we going to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Like he owns it. the original T-Rex toenails from Jurassic Park. He owns the nails from the front hands and from the big fan. It's big. It's like 12 inches tall and wow. probably 8 mm-hmm. inches toenail. That's but amazing. Have you guys ever me- tried to do anything from Jaws? Is that a, something you'd ever be interested in? Oh man, you know it's it's definitely on my list. I'm a huge Universal Monster fan. I'm a creature from the Black Lagoon nut, so he's like my all time favorite movie monster. But um, I would love to do Jaws. That's probably in my top ten all time favorite movies, and mm-hmm. I think I could crush a Quint sitting in his oh, chair, there ah. Dan fishing rod. You know, yeah. that's the pose I would make. Don't hey, I got a barrel. I got a barrel. If you guys want to put barrels out, he does. 
Yeah. Actually, a few years ago, I tracked down the company that made those barrels and I actually bought one. It's yeah. just, it was black and I painted it yellow, but it's right. like, you know, those, the, they were out there for a while. And uh, my friend Greg Nicotero, who's in California, is a company called KMD. He's the director for The Walking Dead. He's like mm-hmm. the biggest Jaws fan I've ever yep. seen. You go into his studio, they have the back of the Orca, and Nick Mara sculpted all three of the guys in life size. And they're I've like, Better than any wax figures you ever mm-hmm. see, silicone with like real eyes and punched hair, and it's like it's like the three guys standing there, and it's amazing. I've seen that in person; it's beautiful. It was it was at uh, Jaws Fest the last time they did that, and um, it was and and, and uh, Greg also created the the castings of Bruce, They're yep. like the gills forward, you know, of the. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted one of those, but yeah, Greg's got some really cool stuff. He's probably the biggest Jaws collector that I know, but. I would love to make something. I'd love to. I don't know if I'd do a Bruce because I think I think Sideshow did a big shark of Bruce, but I would definitely make the guy at least Quint. Yeah, there. you know, I just, that I that image is so iconic to me. Uh, I love it, but uh, yeah, I would totally do Jaws. I anything Universal, man, it's right up my alley. You know, I love that stuff. So yeah. well, whenever whenever we have these conversations, that. Uh, we, Jaws comes up, Ghostbusters comes up, and Back to the Future comes up. Like I feel like that stuff's always going to have a market. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I think with Hot Toys, I don't think I can improve on on Back to the Future. So yeah, if right. I, I don't think if I can at, contribute anything to the property that's not already been done, I, I don't want to do it. You know, it's like a, it's that road untraveled thing I was talking about. You know, but like Backdraft. I would definitely do a Kurt Russell from Backdraft. Oh, yeah. yeah, that would be amazing. I, I want a whole lot. I want twenty Kurt Russell figures. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a good idea. I, I love Kurt Russell. I mean, I, I it, it's 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 I, I I just I think he's a super. Everything I've read about him, he's a super nice guy. Number one, and number two, he's in every damn thing. Like like when I found out he was going to be Ego in the Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm like, oh my god, Kurt Russell's still real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Pliskin and McCready. Yep. How do you get better than that? You yeah. know? How do you get yeah. better hair than that? Honestly, <laughs> oh god, he's he's it's insane. Like, he's like to me, he's like Sam Elliott and Clint Eastwood. You know, he's right there on the same level. Right. Mm-hmm. If oh. I was going to do Kurt Russell, it would be him from probably Tombstone too. Ooh. You know, mm-hmm. you tell him hell's coming and I'm coming for him. You know, or, or <laughs> hell's coming, but I, I would totally make that in a heartbeat. You know yeah. that. But yeah. I think that, and we would buy it. So. <laughs> I think that's a Disney property, so I'd probably never get that one. Uh, so. Yeah, we'll stick with the Universal. And, uh, yeah, because uh, I always want to make Armageddon stuff. Like I always want to do Armageddon, like Bruce in the spacesuit or something like that. Yeah, yeah you're talking it's, Craig's language. I now. I am such an Armageddon fan. Mm-hmm. Like I think that movie's legit. Like not even like ironically good. Like I find it to be legitimately great. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I I cry every time Bruce punches. <laughs> And I, I, it's, 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 it's a fact, but I'll tell you what, when you come down here, we have the, the eight foot X 71 model in the museum. We have Michael Clark Duncan's spacesuit in the museum oh, wow. Wow. and we have his hair from the, from the X 71 over there as well. So we have a lot of Armageddon props here, like drill heads. We have, um, we have all kinds of props. There's flag, stamp or roll flag they put in the asteroid. There's all kinds of stuff here. So that, if you're an Armageddon fan, Clay and I are 
huge Armageddon fan. I'm literally, I'm like tearing up. Like I, 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 like I think when people are like, "Are you patriotic?" I'm like, "Yes," and especially towards Armageddon. Like I, I feel like it's very, it represents everything I want out of mankind. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's I, I know that uh, grass. Tyson DeGrassi, I forget how his name is. Neil DeGrasse, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tyson, I'm sorry. Yeah, he does that whole monologue on how bad Armageddon actually is. And I that only in, that only makes it better. Yeah, yeah. of course. Like, Nobody wants to fine. hear that. It's a movie. Physicist is telling me how horrible that movie is. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not about that. It's about man's will to overcome. And it's yeah. very painful, that movie. And yeah. it makes you feel good. And even though the hero dies at the end, you're just like, he saved the world, you know? And it's mm-hmm. just, so, I don't know. I, Paul, I the, Paul, I'm assuming you saw The Last Jedi, correct? I did. So, the, when, uh, spoiler alert, uh, here comes some Last Jedi spoilers. When, um, when Laura Dern sacrifices herself yeah. and Carrie Fisher, you know, lets it happen, I was, yeah. I, from a storyline point, I was fine with it. But I immediately thought, she should have Armageddoned it. She should have faked. <laughs> Carrie Fisher should have faked everybody into thinking that she wasn't mm-hmm. going to sacrifice herself, and then she does Bruce Willis style. That's my problem with the last. <laughs> yeah, but I, I saw that opening night. We we it was right before Christmas. That was our Christmas party. We shut down the whole shop. Um, the AMC over here has those uh, full reclining red chairs, and we rented out one whole row, and we took everybody and their families from here, and and. Whenever I see something opening night, I always like to see the audience re- reaction to stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And there were two scenes in that which will be indelible. I will not forget them forever. Was when R2-D2 plays the little video. Of yep. Mike mm-hmm. Champion, and I'm going to embarrass him right now, wept like a little girl. And this <laughs> old dude, and he it caught him in the field so hard. And then it was hard for us because I'm a huge Yoda fan. And when Yoda came on screen, oh. he was, like, oh my God, I can't do a mic champion, you know, and cry in front of everybody. I was like, keep it together, keep it together, keep it together. Keep it. <laughs> and um, so then when Laura Dern crashes that ship into the big one and it's totally silent, you could have heard a pin drop in the sold out theater. Yep. Yep. And right after that, everybody was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I thought the movie was over. You know, that was it. <laughs> the <laughs> end. Uh, oh, man. that was great and, and and all my friends hated that movie they're all like oh, I hate that movie I'm like that's this generation's Empire Strikes Back man and if I was a little kid again because Dean took his little boy and Mike Champion took his little girl and, and, and everybody had their kids there and when, when it came out they were like this was the greatest movie ever these little kids were so instilled and I remember seeing Star Wars and Empire and Jedi in the theaters when I was a kid and how blown away I was. And I'm like, I was like, all right, all you old fuddy duddies that don't get it. I love that movie. I thought it <laughs> yeah. was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved The Last Jedi. Jake and Abby were both not haters, but had a little bit more critical than I was. But I went, I, I, I was stressed out by it. I went through like, I had to go through a program. I had to go watch it like five I'm still times. In <laughs> I definitely didn't hate it, but I had some issues. But like watching it multiple times, it's like, I, think I don't know, it fixed some things for me. Yeah, yeah same here. Was, all my friends were like, oh, Luke, I didn't like the way Luke was portrayed. I'm like, I'm like, they all are cowards. They all run away. Yoda ran away. Obi-Wan hid the damn desert. Luke goes, 
sucks the tit of some big animal on a planet. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, we saw growing it. up, I was never a Luke fan. I didn't like Luke. I was a Han Solo guy. Okay. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I was like, you can portray Luke as the biggest wuss in the galaxy because he pretty much is. He was a whiny crybaby through the first three movies, you know. <laughs> Power converts to Tasha Station. Yeah, so I don't care. You know, and I was trying to argue this with my friends. And they're like, no, I'm a Luke fan. And I'm like, well, here, 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 go, here's Blue Milk. Go, go, go. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, I love it. I thought the movie, seeing it, actually, Laura Dern in there and some other people, mm-hmm. kind of like, I thought that was cool, you know? And I I just liked it. I thought it was great. And I, I guess I see, I try to see movies with more of an open mind. I used to be one of those people who was like, I'm, I'm very critical. I don't want to see this. And then you go see it. Okay, that was pretty good. Yeah. You know? I think what we we all went through with we mentioned it earlier with the with the new Ghostbusters because we all went into it extremely open minded wanting to love it because the backlash was so over the top and ridiculous and then you know we all saw it five yeah. six seven times and we all kind of came to the conclusion that this just isn't very good so yeah yeah I, it, it, you know they're. There's a lot of hit and misses out there, you know, and somebody asked me the other day if, if you were walking by a TV and the TV was playing and it was a movie, you'd have to sit down and watch it. And that's not picking your top ten. That's just something that you would enjoy watching. And I, and I even threw out when I was like, well, my top one would be like Tropic Thunder because I've seen that movie like, you know, a, an absolute million times. And everybody hates it, but I think it's like one of the funniest movies that was ever made. <laughs> I like Tropic Thunder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it is good, mm-hmm. yeah. Or, or like Guardians of the Galaxy, I could watch those. You know, oh, I think those. You're speaking my language now. Yeah, 100%. Uh, no, I'm a huge Rocket Raccoon fan, and I don't think he could have ever been portrayed better on film, you know. Um, so, so, like, I'll excuse a lot of crap if they hit one thing in that film. Like, like Last Jedi could have been the worst film on the planet, but because they had Frank Oz's hand yeah. up a little bit sitting on a log with Luke. After yep. all these years, I was like, how can you complain about this movie? That was yeah. movie gold. And then when That R2, Yoda was perfect, yeah. And when R2 does the little video of, I was thinking, what, you little asshole. You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what I was saying. That's, yeah. I love it. I went like, out to the. I love little assholes. I, went, that's I, went, why I love Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, I went to the theater manager. I was like, you did not prepare us for this <laughs> level of emotion. <laughs> It, it got some of us, and I think seeing it with other people, especially people I hadn't seen it twenty times, or you know, three weeks later when the, the theater's empty, when it's a packed house like that, you feel that emotion from other people. Because Mike wasn't the only one crying during some of those scenes. There were oh, other yeah. people out now weeping, you know. And I thought, well, that to me makes a good film. You we know, all, so. we all have a running thing. Anytime we cry during movies, we take selfies and send them to each other. Mm-hmm. So we, yeah, we, we're all about it. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Real good. Yeah, if you but, if you go back into our archives, you can listen to the Logan episode, and it was it was a <laughs> rough one. <laughs> Don't do it! Don't do it! Oh my god! I wasn't. I I, I love those movies, but I was not a big fan of that film. I, Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. No, more controversy. Oh, there, but I just uh, I'm waiting for Marvel to get their X Men back. I agree I'm, with that. Yeah, yeah. I okay. want them. Physically do a good Wolverine movie, and I'm not saying Hugh Jackman. I think Hugh Jackman is probably he's like Tony Stark. I mean, there's never going to be another Tony Stark, in my opinion. You know, there won't ever be another Wolverine. But I'd like to see what Marvel could do with Wolverine. 
Right. You know, yeah, so. they can do X Men. X Men is one of those weird, uh, you know, movie franchises where they've like. There's been a couple times where they've almost gotten it right, but it's never been, you know, you as imagine? right as it could be. They've never nailed it. Mm-hmm. No, Logan was the first R-rated film that wasn't a Marvel movie, and I think the level of violence. I mean, I love seeing him just poke dudes in the head. We had never yeah. seen that before. You know, it was always like in the chest, and it was always out of frame, but. Right. You know, I think that was. I love Wolverine doing what Wolverine does. I just didn't like the everybody's screwed up storyline, you know, and everybody's going to die kind of storyline, you know. But right. it, was it was a, a bummer. Leak, yeah. It was a bummer. It was, it was. It was. It was a Debbie Downer. You know that one. Was, it was for sure. It was a horrible film in that respect. But I think that if you look at like Deadpool and some of these others, and and even Guardians of the Galaxy and the Avengers movies and all those. I haven't seen Black Panther. I want to go see it next week, but um, uh, when I'm back in Tennessee, so that that one's high on my list. I think that one's going to be pretty cool. Everybody says mm-hmm. it's great, so yeah, I want it's to good, good. The buzz is good. Yep. Yeah, um, I, I thought you know the Thor Ragnarok was the best of those Thor movies, just oh, because it was great. fun and that, a lot of fun. That Tiki Waiki or whatever yeah. however you say. <laughs> hey, I have trouble with that. Yeah, name Tiki Watiti. Tiki Watata. Oh yeah, we did it. <laughs> or however you say it. He did that movie, uh, While We Do in the Shadows, which is absolutely like one of my favorite. That's yeah, a great I've movie. I've heard yeah. really good things. Yeah, we so. still got to watch it. It's got those Am- of the Concords guys. Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. It is. Yep. It's got Jermaine Fly of the Concords. Mm-hmm. It's basically old vampires that live in a flat together in New Zealand. And it's yeah. It's really the funniest movie. It's very, yeah, it is. It's very good. It's very, very good. But anyway. I think we're, I think, good God, we've done this for two hours. Well, was, I told you 30 hey, minutes, 30 minutes, two hours. I love <laughs> it's it. Fine. We love, love it. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Um, yeah. Well, so now we, I'll give you the, the, before I let you go speech. 20 minutes of this, right? So. Yeah. No, we, we don't <laughs> no, do a lot of editing. Up. We, we throw yeah, it up. Going up. Throw oh it no, up. the whole thing. Um, but I'm glad I didn't cut. No, you're good. You're good. We, we, we do. wish you would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to edit some in, actually. Yeah, putting some fucks in. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfectly fine. I'm, okay. I'm totally okay Good. with that. Good. Um, now, Paul, before we let you go, I do have to ask, are you guys going to uh, be doing the new Terminator movie? Huh. Well, we did Terminator Genesis. Right. And I will say this with authority: if Skydance is doing the production of the next Terminator film, we will probably be doing Terminator. And I won't want it because it's Jim Cameron, uh, yeah. and that's a license I've been trying to get for a long time now. Is to, to deal with Jim Cameron. I'd love to do Avatar. I would love to do Avatar Two. I would love to do some Titanic. I would love to do something from any of his films, True Lies, whatever it is. Um, so we are right now in talks with Jim Cameron to do the abyss. So keep your fingers crossed. Oh, cool. Abyss piece. And that will lead us into doing for Jim Cameron stuff. So, um, with Jim, it's not really about the money. It's about the quality. And we have been kind of chosen as one of those companies that they want to do business with. So we feel pretty proud to be kind of in that, that exclusive group of people like Weta and those guys who've done stuff with them in the past. Cool. Uh, That's good. To but hear. I'm, I'm big. I, I love. I mean, I've heard Jim Cameron is a, a very difficult man to work with and work for. But I've been told I am too, and I think it's that creative genius. You know, you you have this vision and you want things your way, and when it doesn't kind of go your way, you 
you kind of lose your shit and you go off on people. And, and I'm very guilty of that here. And I apologize to anybody that's ever worked for us in advance. So, uh, and will work for us. So, <laughs> so like a year from now, we're all, we're all sweeping the floors at the Chronicle uh, plant. We're going to be like, he said he was going to yell at us. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. At the plant. sweeping the floors at Chronicle Collectible. The journey. For, I'll take everything you just said and I'll translate what? that into at some point I'm going to have a Tom Arnold from True Lies bust. Okay. There you go. Because <laughs> that's what I want. Arnold and Jamie Lee Curtis. Those would be the two that I would make for yes, sure. Yes, yes, yes. Um, although I would, I, I, I like Titanic. I'm a big Titanic fan. Yeah. So maybe, uh, I don't know. It was maybe the cool. Heart we of the Sea. To, I was thinking the Heart of the Sea, yeah. yeah. We got to go to, well, they made a Heart of the Sea replica a few years ago, which is pretty cool. Uh, mm-hmm. But we went to Jim Cameron's studio, and he's a big collector of his own stuff. So he has a huge, like, part of his warehouse that cordoned off for his stuff. And when we walked in, the first thing you see when you walk in is the 40-foot Titanic model that we built for the movie. And right beside it is the the crashed Titanic underneath the water that the little DSRVs went around and and photographed. Wow. And then beside that was the car that Jack and What's-Her-Name make love in, and it actually had the handprint. Fully steamed? (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. And then you open the door, and Kate Winslet was in there. He has has Kate Winslet. Bonus. Yes, I wish. No. uh, (laughs) I thought it was cool because he's got, like, the alien power loader. He's got the alien's queen. He's got... One of the big amp suits from Avatar. He's got all this this memorabilia that's stuffed into this little like warehouse. Like he had one of the Harriers from True Life hanging from the ceiling. There's a little Arnold hanging out of it, mm-hmm. and it was like he had all this stuff. And I thought to myself, how cool that he's preserved what he thinks are his iconic pieces from his iconic movies. And I thought, there again, difficult guy, but he's 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 definitely keeping his stuff. I mean, I used to have a T-shirt uh, from Terminator Two that were all the horrible quotes printed on the back that the crew had done <laughs> that he had said to people. Oh, and it, I want to see that. Oh my God. Pretty. And I, ha- I have it in my collection. It's pretty horrible shit. Like, I mean, it's like the whole back of the shirt. It was like boogie with a light meter. Screw you. Why are you eating that? I mean, it's just, I mean, it's like, all. <laughs> 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 amazing. Oh my God. I'm starting God, a Terminator spinoff podcast called screw you. Why are you eating? Yes. That? Yes. <laughs> yes. The James Cameron collection. Oh, I like so, it. I think the front says I survived the production of Terminator 2. And then on the wow. back there's quotes on it. But there again, I look at it as like he's a he's a difficult guy because he has that vision. He wants things mm-hmm. the way he wants. He's right. in that position to where he can he can get it. So, you know, he's Jim Cameron and, and uh yeah. I, re- I respect him. I have uh, just mountains of respect for the guy. I think uh everything he's done I don't think he's done anything bad that I can think of, you know. So uh, I like it all, but uh, yeah, yeah, you know, big James What's the name of this podcast again? We yes, don't even know. We don't even have a podcast. We're just we just wanted to talk on the phone. Uh, <laughs> you get off in East Pakistan, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're a rival company taking notes. <laughs> Isn't that your mom, your aunt, your uncle? You know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no. Well, listen, this has been a lot of fun. We talked about a lot more than just... uh, A little over 25 minutes. A little over 25 (laughs) minutes, but that's great. That means it's good. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, but yeah, Paul, we really appreciate you stopping by and we're definitely going to take you up on that offer to come hang out and, uh, man, just keep doing what you're doing because, uh, you guys have a lot of amazing stuff in the pipeline and have released mm-hmm. a lot of amazing stuff and we just can't wait to keep checking it out. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate people like you that want to hear these stories and want to put it out there for the public. You know, we do a lot of Facebook live on Fridays and just to get my plugs in, you can go to chroniclecollectibles.com. You can check us out on Facebook at Chronicle Collectibles. And Robert Davis, who is our amazing, 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 amazing uh, online web guy or, or online uh, social media guy, um, I think his business card actually says, like, uh, I don't know, it's like unofficial employee. I don't know. I should make up some really funny <laughs> card. It's like an unauthorized representative. That's what it should say. Okay. You know? But no, uh, uh, I love Robert. He he does an amazing job. He set this whole thing up because uh, no offense, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but I do like doing them. So me either. Yeah, it's, neither do I. These people are so pretentious. <laughs> people are tolls on these podcasts, you know. So who it's like who wants are? to gamble on about Frank Oz with his hand up a puppet's butt, you know? So there oh. you go. I I want to get Frank Oz on the podcast. I, he's he's a little. Uh, he doesn't sign autographs, but I think he will take pictures. But I feel like he's he's got a Twitter account now, so maybe I don't know, maybe down he the can road. Pull some strings. What about Bob? What about Bob? <laughs> sorry, time. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> thank you for the pull. You're your welcome. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Frank. I think he's mm. cool. He was he's been in a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, man. he's his career. Here, you know. Like Blues Brothers, he's the guy taking the money from them when they get to Chicago. Yep, and blues. yep, yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. What? A, that's a career that he, I think we would do more than two hours with Frank Oz. Mm-hmm. Well, he, hey. actually, that he might hang up after twenty minutes. Like, <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. Maybe. Maybe I just I like my Yoda not jumping around like a spider monkey. I like him just yep. sitting on a log twitching his Stay foot. Still. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah, we don't, even, we don't ever have to watch the prequels again. We don't, we have don't to. even have to talk about them. So. <laughs> yeah. They exist. Those yeah. exist? Um, well, listen, Paul, we appreciate it, and we'll catch up soon, and we'll have to do this again sometime, and uh, we'll keep our listeners updated with everything you guys got going on. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Yeah, right. yeah thanks, dude. Thanks, man. Have a good night. Thanks, Paul. Take care, Bye-bye. Paul. Bye. Bye.